Hi, welcome to the Revealed Apologetics podcast. My name is Eli Ayala, founder and host of Revealed Apologetics. If you've been blessed by the content of this podcast or the Revealed Apologetics YouTube channel, please consider supporting us. You can support Revealed Apologetics by generously giving at revealedapologetics.com. Choose the donate button and give either through PayPal or Venmo. Or you can simply write a brief review of the podcast on iTunes. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you're interested in having me speak at your event, you can connect with me by filling out the contact info on the Revealed Apologetics website homepage or simply email me at revealedapologetics at gmail.com. Lastly, if you're interested in signing up for my online apologetics course, information on Presup University can also be found on the Revealed Apologetics website. Folks can sign up anytime and the course content will be sent to them. Once again, thank you so much for your support. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Revealed Apologetics. I'm your host, Eli Ayala, and I am very excited about this specific episode. Um, we are going to be talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, very, very interesting. This is uh, very much a part of what we will call, what we would call cult apologetics. Um, from an Orthodox Christian perspective, we see Jehovah's Witness as a, a cult with aberrant theology that does not have a genuine gospel. And so uh, the Jehovah's Witness, along with Mormons um, and um, other sorts of cults that, that we might be familiar with, these are folks that uh, we need to be able to share the gospel with. And so it's very important that we understand uh, what they believe and why they believe it and also how we provide a biblical uh, response. Okay, now, um, for those who follow the show, you guys do know that I typically take things from a presuppositional perspective, and my guest today, Matt Slick of Karm.org, is also a presuppositionalist. So um, while Matt unpacks a little bit with respect to the Jehovah's Witness, their theology, and various responses, um, perhaps he can um, also, we could also try and make some presuppositional application, um, and we'll unpack that a little bit, keep it for folks to, uh, you know, keep it at the mid-shelf. Uh, we don't want to go talk over anyone's heads, but uh, we definitely want to uh, go into uh, the weeds if necessary to unpack uh, really what is a deception. Uh, the Jehovah's Witness has a false gospel. And so this is a very important topic and I hope folks will benefit from this episode. Just a couple of quick announcements and then I'll invite Matt on the screen with me. On October 18th, um, I believe that's next Monday, uh, 9 p.m. I'll be having Joel set a case on to do a debate review. He recently had a debate uh, with the atheist YouTuber Tom Jump. Um, you guys remember, I also had a, a, dis a debate discussion with Tom as well. Uh, Joel did an excellent job from a presuppositional perspective. And so we're going to unpack um, that debate and kind of take a look at, um, you know, various applications of the presuppositional method to someone who makes the sort of arguments uh, like Tom Jump has. Um, we're also going to have Anthony Rogers on, um, on October 20th to, and this might be interesting for folks. I'm actually having Anthony Rogers on to talk specifically about the philosophical problem of the one and the many. Uh, so those who know 
presuppositionalism. We're defending the Christian worldview. And we argue that the triune God of scripture who reveals provides the necessary preconditions for knowledge and intelligible experience. And this issue of the one and the many comes up. Um, that entire episode is going to be dedicated to covering that specific topic. And so I'm really excited to have Anthony Rogers on, um, uh, on October 20th. Also, November 18th, I'll be having Jason Lyle back on. Uh, Jason Lyle is a PhD astrophysicist and presuppositional apologist, and he um, is going to be coming on to discuss the issue of the historical atom. Um, and this is going to be within the context of uh, Dr. William Lane Craig's recent book on the historical quest for um, the quest for his, the historical atom. Um, and he's going to be Dr. Lyle is going to be responding to uh, Dr. Craig's uh, work there. And so that's going to be very interesting for folks um, looking forward to having Dr. Lyle on again. He's been on a couple of times, actually. And lastly, on November, let me see if I got this date correct, November 4th, I will be having, and I'm super excited about this, I'm going to be having Dr. Douglas Gruthius on. Douglas Gruthius is a, is a professor, and he wrote a very thick book on Christian apologetics called Christian Apologetics. And so um, I'll be... Um, sharing the, you know, the link when he comes on. So you guys can come in and uh, uh, ask questions and things like that. We're going to be talking about with Dr. Ruthius, the topic of the spiritual formation of the apologist. And so uh, folks who are engaged in apologetics, this tends to be a very intellectually heavy discipline because we're thinking about theology, apologetics and philosophy, things like that. Um, I'm going to be having Dr. Ruthius on to talk about the importance of spiritual formation. How should the spiritual life of the Christian apologist be conducted so that we are um, not living in, in an imbalanced fashion where we're only just hitting the books and there's no really, um, you know, spiritual relational dimension to, uh, to our lives. And so I'm looking forward uh, to having Dr. Gruthius on, on November 4th. All right. Well, um, last announcement before I invite Matt on, sorry, I had to get these out of the way. Um, I'm super excited. If you guys know a while back, I was advertising some online classes that I was teaching on presuppositional apologetics, and I called it Presup U. And so um, I offer courses on my website at revealedapologetics.com, and you could um, actually uh, click the uh, on the menu Presup U and sign up for the class. Uh, folks can sign up anytime, um, and you'll be sent all of the lectures, all of the PowerPoint slides, and all of the outlines. But um, starting November 1st, I will actually be starting up again the premium package in which uh, those who sign up, by November 1st, um, we'll get all of that content that I just mentioned, but I will be meeting with the students who sign up once a week. And so that we can go deeper and um, uh, unpack uh, the content of the course. And it is basically an introduction to biblical apologetics. But don't be fooled, the introduction element, we get into some pretty uh, deep stuff, um, philosophy and theology and things like that. So I'm really encouraging folks, if you want to learn how to do presuppositional apologetics, you can sign up for my class. Um, and you have up until November 1st, where we'll, we'll be having our first meeting. So revealedapologetics.com, presup you. And um, you can sign up for that um, right now. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for the opening segment here. Um, and I would like to invite Matt Slick of karm.org. How are you doing, Matt? Man, I was ready to go to sleep. There was so much I there. Jeez, <laughs> boy. I should have come in later, man. I'm just back, back in her waiting. All right. So what do you want? Well, um, first, I want to I want to point people uh, to the direction of your website. Um, the topic that we're going to be exploring today 
um, Jehovah's Witnesses, Matt Slick on Karm.org has a ginormous section on his website <laughs> that covers this specific area. So if you want to know how to do apologetics with Jehovah's Witnesses and, and share your faith with Jehovah's Witness, you need to uh, go to Karm.org and check out those articles. But we have the man, the creator, the writer of most of the content on Karm right here. So we have the, the famous Matt Slick. Um, so... <laughs> Make his head grow so big that his headphone is his uh his microphone will fall off. Um, all right. Well, um, I'm happy for that you're here because I know that you are um I used to be scared for Jehovah's Witnesses when I used to listen to your show and someone would call and you can you can tell you can tell that the way they were talking, you would stop and be like, Are you a Jehovah's Witness? And I'm like, oh no, don't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> the person would hesitate and they'll be like, yes. And I'm like, it's over. Uh, because right there, you knew where to go. You went straight for the jugular. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's, lovingly, it, though, and I'm, I wasn't mean. That's true. But but sometimes it, it, we, we just need to go straight to the foundation there. And so I think you do you do a wonderful job uh, in that area well, on the radio. So, people call up, you know, you got to do that because the listeners want to hear the, the meat. But if I'm talking right. to someone one on one, it's usually a little bit different. But yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, let's jump right in then. Um, why sure. don't you define for folks what Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, who are they um, and what do they believe? And then we'll jump right into how we would engage sure. in some of our central disagreements. The Jehovah's Witnesses came out of the Millerite movement back in the 1800s and was started by a guy named Charles Taze Russell. And, and, it, and there's different theories about exactly when and how he had a Bible study going, but it was incorporated in the 70s, I think it was, 1870s. And um, he did not like the idea of hell, for one thing, and the deity of Christ. And he started this study and he started publishing. And uh, by publishing his heresies, People had information that they could go to, and you know, people fell for it. So this organization um, has grown immensely. It's starting to lose members, though, mm -hmm. and it denies the doctrine of the Trinity. It denies Jesus Christ as God in flesh, denies his physical resurrection, and denies the, the doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ alone. It is a serious and major cult. Mm -hmm. So they used to teach that only 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses would exist, and that when that number exceeded, they had to reinterpret certain ideas about 144,000, namely the heavenly class. And so the heavenly class are going to be the ones who go to heaven, and then the earthly class will stay here in the, re on the reformed earth. And we're the swine class. We're going to hell because we don't affirm the true doctrine of Jehovah because we're polytheists. We believe in the Trinity, which they've misrepresented sometimes uh, badly. And sometimes they, they've represented it accurately. If you go through their watchtower material, sure. which I think you can go to. Uh, it's been a while since so I even looked at JW stuff, but JW.org, you can JW.org. You can do some of their searches and uh, you can find different things, but with how they define the Trinity at different times in different ways. And it's not sure. like uh, it progresses uh, chronologically. It actually, they get it right. They get it wrong. They get it right again. Then they get it wrong again. Then wrong, then wrong, then right, then wrong. And so it just goes like that. And uh, I have a CD that someone sent me, a DVD actually, and it's got hundreds and hundreds and hun thousands of their articles, all searchable. So I can go out and mm. find all kinds of stuff. And they have what's called the Washtar Bible and Tract Society, which uh, they just moved from Brooklyn, New York to another place. I, I don't know where, I forgot where. And uh, they produce more literature, I think, than anybody else on the planet, basically. And uh, <laughs> they have um, people going door to door because that's what the disciples taught. And 
they usually go on Saturdays, usually, uh, usually are done around noon. And they try and get people interested in Jehovah and his kingdom because you need to belong to Jehovah and his kingdom and God's associated servant, the Jehovah's Witness organization, in order to avoid the penalty of the Antichrist and the coming tribulation period and the judgment to come. And then if you don't make it as a Jehovah's Witness and you're like me, uh, you get annihilated. Uh, so they're annihilationists and okay. uh, because hell is too bad, God wouldn't do that kind of a thing, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, what, sure. that's the basics of the Jehovah's Witnesses. So now when we when we think of a cult, when people think of, of cult, they think of kind of often like a really small group of people who believe strange things. But actually, uh, just real quick, I have uh, numbers here. Um, this is as of uh, 2021. Uh, there are almost 8.7 million Jehovah's Witnesses uh, in 240 countries around the globe. Um, including 1.3 million of those uh, right here in the United States. So this is a, a very large group. Obviously, it is um, uh, sh shrinking for various uh, various reasons, yep. but I mean, it is a large group. And yep. I, I think everyone that I know um, has a Jehovah's Witness story of, of someone knocking on their door uh, and things like that. So, so, so why don't we make this really practical for people? Um, when a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, what should uh, Christians expect? Because I, I know uh, it is interesting. Many people will pray, Lord, please send people in my path so that I can share the gospel. And then Saturday morning comes around, we hear the knock and all of a sudden they're like, it's a Jehovah's Witness you know, shut the doors, you know, close the blinds, you know, lock the door, you know, um, what should we expect when Jehovah's Witness knock oh. on our door? Uh, that reminds me, I want to tell you before I answer the question, I've, I've done seminars where um, on Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, and I've said, said, uh, so how many of you in here have had, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door, Mormons come to your door, and the hands go up, and I said, you want to witness, and I said, and you basically have said, you know, I'm busy, and no thanks, we disagree, and you kind of send them on their way, and their hands just fly up in the air, and I say, well, let me, let me, let me reword that last part. How many of you have said this to the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons? I know that you're preaching a uh, a false doctrine that uh, will lead people to eternal damnation. I'm busy. Could you go to my neighbor? Uh, mm. And that's the thing is that when pe people come to your door, uh, too many times Christians, they don't do anything. They, like you said, close the door, lock the door, close the blinds, don't want to do anything. What you should do is, is engage them and talk to them. You'll find that they're polite. They're, they're nice. But you'll also find that they're brainwashed in that they are only looking for people who are interested in having a discussion. Mm. They're not looking to have a, 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 an engagement like, say, you and I, you know, if we're home, ding dong, we get up and they're J-dubs at the door, uh, we're going to engage them. And what they're going to do then is after a few minutes say, well, thank you, we got to be on our way. And then they'll mark your door on the paper. You know, they mark your addresses. Don't go to this house. And so what they do is they they try and get Bible studies started in different neighborhoods this way. They avoid the people who are difficult. But, you know, you, I've invited them in before and, and uh, they've come in and we've talked. And, and uh, tr when they're in, it's, it takes longer for them to leave. And I can tell you stories about that. But one of the things I do recommend is this, and I, I'm serious about this. I know a lot of Christians don't like this idea of actually picking up your cross and following after Christ. But when they come through the neighborhood uh, and you talk to them very politely and, you know, go to CARM, uh, other websites, learn about, uh, about the J-dubs, go to the CARM forward slash cut. C-U-T, and for the mm -hmm. it'll lead you to the cut and paste section, you can go to the Jehovah's Witness stuff, and it's just very succinct information, and that's all you really need. 
and you could just have that available, printed up, ready. You did the same thing with the, with the Mormons. But nevertheless, um, so what, what happens is when they leave, uh, I go get my car keys. I go get my shoes, and then I get some information if I have it. And I wait till they're just a few doors down around the block corner, and then I follow them in my car. And I, I, I have my airco on and I'm relaxing and I stay, you know, a few hundred feet behind them. And uh, I, what I'm looking for is uh, them spending time at someone's house or going into that house. Now, okay. you know, you can tell no thinking about interested and then they walk away. But if there's a five minute conversation, that's a house I'm going to go back to either knock on the door or provide information. And uh, so once as an example, I was. Um, I was just driving down the road on a Saturday and I could just tell they were Jehovah's Witnesses in a car going someplace. So I just peeled around and and um, followed them. And, and I can still remember very clearly. They went to an apartment complex, knocked on the door, went right inside, a door closed. So they had an appointment. OK, so I went back a couple hours later with some information. And I remember talking to the lady at the door and I said, hi, you know, I said, this is going to sound a little bit odd. But I said, my name's Matt, and I'm a Christian, and um, I noticed that some Jehovah's Witnesses were here, and uh, uh, they, they, they stuff. And uh, if you're, if it's okay with you, I could tell you a couple of things they haven't told you. It's very serious. And she said, "Well, what do you mean?" We ended up talking for 20 minutes, hmm. and I gave her information. And she, at the end of the conversation, she said, "Okay, I'm going to stop studying with them. I won't have anything to do with them anymore." And then I said, here's a, you know, go to these good churches and things like this. So there's things you can do, uh, you know, and, and and things you should do, you know, they're coming (laughs) to your door. Don't let them go to your neighbor's door and preach uh, the the false doctrine that are going to damn people to hell. Mm -hmm. So what, so what is that false doctrine then? So let's kind of, uh, let's kind of actually clarify what they teach and why it's so, uh, why it's problematic. I and mean, I, I use stronger. Why is it damning? I mean, what is the, what is the gospel um, for the Jehovah's witness? Well, the gospel for Jehovah's witnesses, and what I'll do is I'll go to uh, their site. Well, the documentation on my, my site uh, on the cut slash Jehovah's witness stuff and um, on salvation, what they say, this is uh, February 15th, 1983, page 12. There are four requirements for salvation. Now, I could just paraphrase it, but I'm going to read it. Uh, Many have found the second requirement more difficult. It is to obey God's law. Yes, to confirm one's life to the moral requirements that are in the gospel. All right. So they teach this because it's a non-Christian cult. Why do they teach? This is called soteriology. Why do they teach synergistic soteriology? Synergism is you cooperate with God. You do good things in order to be saved. So they have what's called synergistic soteriology. Christianity is monergistic. It means there's just one uh, thing involved in salvation. That's faith. God grants it to us. Philippians 1.29. So why do the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, um, and other cults like that have a false gospel? The reason they have a false gospel is because they have a false Christ. So they'll deny that Jesus is God in flesh. Now, here's the thing. 
If Jesus is God in flesh, according to what the scriptures teach, John 1, 1 and verse 14, the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Colossians 2, 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of deity and bodily form. And Hebrews 1, 8, uh, but of the Son, the Father says, uh, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. To quote from Psalm 45, verse 6. Sure. So when the Bible teaches that Jesus is God, we know that he has two distinct natures. And these two natures mean that he has a divine nature and a human nature. This is called the hypostatic union. And I won't get into all the particulars of theological this and that, but to say this, that what happens is he's God, he's man, and he, because he's God, he can offer sacrifice of divine value. And because mm -hmm. he's man, he can offer sacrifice on behalf of people. And because our sin is against God, we sin against God. And so God needs to be appeased and God comes down and he does this in the person of Christ. And so this is necessary because without Jesus being God in flesh, or he's like an, uh, Michael the Archangel, as, as Jehovah's Witnesses teach, that Michael the Archangel became a man. And there's serious logical ontological issues there and continuity problems. Okay. But uh, they'll, they'll say that, well, he's not God. Well, then how is this sacrifice of divine value? Well, it's not of divine value. It just it opens a door that Adam closed. So then you step through the door, you open the door to your own works, hence synergistic soteriology, cooperative efforts huh. with God for salvation. And the reason they have a false Christ is because they have a false God. And uh, in Jehovah's Witnesses, God is one person. And uh, biblically speaking, he's a trinity, which then allows a second person to become flesh and then offer divine sacrifice for our sins. So this is, I work, work that's it backwards. The, that's the Christian position. That's a Christian pers perspective. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So, so Jehovah's Witnesses are Unitarian. They believe God is one being who is also one person. Orthodox Christianity is Trinitarian. We believe that there is one God who is, there's one being of God who exists in three co-eternal simultaneous right. persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. So, um, okay. So we can go through uh, John 1, 1, John 1, 14, uh, Colossians, the Hebrews passages, but we understand that every time a Christian will quote these scriptures, they will find very quickly that the Jehovah's Witness Bible, the New World Translation, doesn't say exactly what our Bible say, which is remarkable. I, I spoke with a, a Jehovah's Witness once. And he um, had his Bible open and I asked him, do you mind if I use my Bible? And he was like, sure. As though he didn't know there was a difference. <laughs> okay. Um, so why don't you go through a couple of key passages that Christians often bring up in responding to the Jehovah's Witness denial of the deity of Christ or the Trinity. Um, but in the, in the, the NWT, the New World Translation, it's slightly altered there. So, so how, oh, how no. could we navigate that issue of uh, different translations and um, interacting with them from Scripture? Well, you sign up for a Greek class and take it for four years so that you can talk to them. Or what you do is you go to websites like CARM and where sure. I've listed some some differences in the NWT. And they've actually got a new version. I have to update this stuff because they, they've um, modified it even further. Okay. There were some verses that I could use in their second, to, not this version, but the previous version that I could use that really stumped them. And now they've altered those as well. And I, I can tell you mm -hmm. what that is. But uh, here's some of the that stuff that's really Amos? easy. Are so you talking about that that Amos passage? Uh, Genesis 19:24. Okay. Jehovah there's also an one. In, there's also a passage in Amos. Amos 4:10, 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. All yeah. right. So let, let, let's go. So, I'm, so unpack <laughs> that for us. How do we navigate those? Uh, you know, every it's like, of course, Jesus is God. Here, look, John 1:1. I mean, how would you interact with the Jehovah's Witnesses? Is well, yeah, but that's not what it says. 
See, what I do, uh, um, I don't want to argue with them about John 1-1 because okay. they're going to have their their stuff. They're prepared. What I recommend people do, believe it or not, is to go to a kingdom hall. To mm. just go. They're not going to throw you out. They're not going to treat you badly. Just walk in on a Sunday service and just sit there. Don't, you know, take literature. Be polite. Don't argue. The reason I say this is because you need to understand what happens in there to understand why I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. They are inculcated. To inculcate means to teach by repetition. So they're brainwashed. Inculcation and brainwashing are synonymous, depending. One's pejorative, one's not. But uh, so you have to understand that they have people who get up, they'll stand up, they'll open the watchtower, they'll open the Bible, and they'll say things like, we know Jesus is not God because in John 14, 20, or because if Jesus was God, he'd be equal to, to God, the Father. Let's go to John 14, 28. Jesus says the Father's greater than I. See, this is why he's not God. They do this kind of a thing, and they're ripping things out of context. They're leading them mentally without doing any thought. What happens is the Watchtower and the Awake magazine that they'll study out of and other books that they have, they have a JW logic. And like I just exemplified, the JW logic is pseudo logic, but they don't know. They don't know about context. They don't know about uh, interrelationships of words. They don't know about conceptual ideas and context. And so because of this, the Jehovah's Witness just thinks, yeah, the Bible, Washtar Bible and Tract Society is so accurate, is so good, it's so true, it's the prophet of God. And so what they do is they give their will, heart, mind over to the prophet of God. And I got quotes about them being a prophet. And then we got false prophecies and stuff. That's another topic from the Watchtower. And so you have to understand that that uh, that they are prepared then against the pagan, trinitarian, tritheistic people who will go to John one one. They'll go to John 1, 1. They're going to go to John 8, 58. Before, before Abraham was, I am, Well, so, which is present, active, indicative, which is literally is I am. It's present tense, active, performing the action, um, indicative, first person singular, which means I am the one doing the action, uh, you know, I am. And they translate it as I have been, which mm. is the perfect tense. And so they say before Abraham was, I have been. Well, I can argue with them on this because I know Greek. But they can't, or most everybody cannot. So I, I, when I train people, I say, you don't want to really do that. Uh, yes and no. I mean, if you want to do it, do it, do it you know, and learn from it. That's, that's fine. And so what you can do, for example, is go to Colossians 1, 15 and 16. And uh, for he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him... All the NWT will say all other things were created, both in the heavens, on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All other things have been created through him. He is before all other things and in him all other things hold together. Now, this one isn't too bad to memorize uh, because that pericope, it's actually just Colossians 1, 16, 17. You want to stay away from verse 15 because it says firstborn, which is prototoktos, and it's prototiktos, it's first created. You get into some Greek stuff, and you guys don't know that, so don't worry about it. But if you just, you know, Colossians 1, 16 and 17, you can say, why is it my Bible does not have the word other, but your Bible does four times? Hmm. And the reason is, is it is not in the Greek. Now, if you want 
depends on how much people want to do. They can actually get what we call the purple people eater. And it's the interlinear that the Jehovah's Witness organization put out many years ago. And it has. Yeah, that's what it's that. called. That's we, what it's we called. Call it, we'd call it. Sorry. I'm so used to calling it over the years. Darn. The purple people eater. I didn't even think about it. Um, but that's we. I have one out in the garage and a, a green one, too. And you can actually show the Greek in their own publications. And that's OK. This, this is if you're into this kind of stuff. OK, but sure. So what you can do is just say, well, in Greek, there's two words for the word other, alas and heteros. Mm -hmm. Heteros, heterosexual. Heteros is another of a different kind. Alas is another of the same kind. Neither one is used there. I just asked the J-dubs, why is that? And they we're just having a discussion, and they're going to clarify. And say, well, my Bible here doesn't have the word other. And I try to be very careful. I don't want to tell them I know too much, okay? Say, so I, I happen to know that. I've read some sources, and I, which is all true. And so, alas and heteros, it's not there in the Greek. I actually went online. I've looked. It's not there. You can be very polite. And how come you guys put that there? And then what you want to do is have them try and read it without the word other. Hmm. Just see if they can do it. They can't do it. They can't do it. They stumble. Oh, we got to go. We got to leave. But at least you've done this when you go to Colossians 1, uh, 16 and 17. Because you need to sit there with a Jehovah's Witness. I'm actually teaching you something else you guys don't know I'm teaching you. And I'll explain what it is here in a minute. I'm pretty <laughs> slick. And what you want to do when you go to Colossians uh, 1, 16 and 17 is have that prepared. Alas and heteros, and be able to just show your Bible and show theirs. And you can just very politely ask them to explain why the difference is there and right. go on like blueletterbible.org, go look at the Greek, and you can say, you can see it in the middle, it's not there. So, how come you, you know, in Colossians 1 16 and 17, how come you, you, you change it and have them read it? Okay. And right. then this is a conversation. Now, one of the things I'm doing here is repeating Colossians 1 16 and 17 to you over and over and over again, because I want you to remember this, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. You should take your Bible, and uh, if you have a page in the back that's blank, just write Colossians 1, 15, 16, Jehovah's Witnesses, other, uh, alas, heteros, not there in the Greek. Why do they add it? Okay? Four, four times. It's all you got to do, and you can go through and do that. And that's just one of the sure. slick and quick approaches. I got some that are better, but this gets you used to... <laughs> okay. This kind of stuff, you know, I've got stuff that we take the, you know, the notch on the burner up a little. Sure, bit. sure. And uh, sure. I've got something like that, so we can, I can show you a few. Right. If, and this, and this is not for deceptive purposes. Like no. you said before, um, you don't want to give away that you know this stuff, not because you're trying to be deceptive, but once you give that away, the lines <laughs> of communication are broken. They're they're out, and you want to be able to get to the, hopefully, get to the gospel with this person and and get them to um, question what they take to be a, a valid authority, which we, uh -huh. which we take to be very problematic. So, um, so I just wanted to point that out there. Um, all right. Well, um, okay. So they have different uh, translations. This is important to kind of know. I mean, and you don't need to know Greek to do what you just did. No. I mean, there's just simple little uh, word studies, you know, little things you could do in your spare time to prepare yourselves uh, for, yeah. for things like this. Well, let, let's jump into some of the theology then. How would you go about it? Um, you know, a Jehovah's Witness says, you know, hey, I have the truth. You, know, you can't refute the truth. How would you begin then? Let let well. Let's assume what you're about to do is not what the average person is going to do. But for content purposes, how would you refute? I mean, I, I've I've entitled this this episode "Jehovah's Witnesses Refuted." 
Um, how would you begin to refute Jehovah's Witness theology and pull it apart one brick at a time? And before you do that, before you do that, I want to let folks know if you have any questions about Jehovah's Witness, theology, apologetics, you can put them in the comments. Uh, we'll be doing that as we do in every show uh, at the tail end. So uh, make sure you ask questions if you have. But go ahead, Matt. One brick, brick by brick. All right. You want to some witnessing techniques, witnessing ways to show that they have things that are wrong. Um, you made a comment, though, which I want to respond to. You said that, uh, you know, they'll say, well, we have the truth. And they call themselves, their organization, the truth. How long ago did you find the truth? And so this is an important thing. You have to understand this is their mentality. They have the truth. We don't. So when they say to me, you know, look, you know, we have the truth and, and you know, you can't really deal with that. And I'll say, if you've got the truth, you are correct. I would not be able to. Hmm. I, I, no problem. And maybe, and I'll say to them, maybe you could help me understand some things. It's always possible that they could. So I say, okay. maybe you could. I don't believe that they can. But, you know, I've learned some things from cults. They've taught me some things I haven't known. So it's always true. You know, maybe you could. And I'll say, I've got some things in the Bible that I'd like to to have, you know, have you take a look at. Now, I used to, at this point, I'd go to Genesis 19.24, name was 4, 10, 11. But can't do that anymore because they changed the Bible. Hmm. They changed those texts. And um, so I'll skip those for now, and I'll do something else. And this works, okay? This this is pretty good. And I'll say, look, can we go to Psalm 116, verse 4? And in Psalm 116, 4, it says, I called upon the name of, and use their Bible, use their Bible. Okay. And I called upon the name of Yahweh or Jehovah, they'll say. Oh, Jehovah, I ask you to save my life. And I'll say, that's a prayer, right? It's calling upon Jehovah and only Jehovah, right? Yeah. And Zechariah 13, 9, you'll see a similar phraseology and what i'll say is whenever there's a this phrase and I, I speak like this to them calmly and slowly and i'll say whenever you see this phrase uh, this is what i've seen here that this phrase call upon the name of jehovah it occurs in different places i've looked at it sure. calling on the name of jehovah called on the name of jehovah but the phrase call the name of jehovah not just the word you know, Jehovah or the word name or the word call, but the phrase, and I say this this way on purpose, okay? That phrase, whenever it appears, it's always a prayer, adoration, whatever it is, to Jehovah alone, right? And they'll say, yes, no problem with that. Do you know what the Septuagint is? And they'll say, well, uh, some say yes, some say no. And I'll explain. The Septuagint is the uh, what the Jews did around 200-ish B.C., they took the Old Testament Hebrew and they translated it into the Greek. Right. They translated it into the Greek. And when they got to this phrase, this is before Jesus was ever born, you know, we have the Septuagint copies today. And when they got to this phrase, call upon the name of Jehovah, they translated it into the Greek, call upon the name of the Lord. That's what they did. Right. And I'll say, Kun, I show it, look in your Bible. And uh, let's see if I can do this. I haven't done this for so long. I'll go sure. to a jw.org, and then what I'm going to do is go to Bible Teachings Library and go to Online Bible, and I'm going to go to Display in English, and uh, King. Ooh, they they even have a Kingdom Interlinear on there. Yeah, boy, I got so much stuff. Is this, is nice this something? Is this something worth uh, sharing the screen over, or is it just you're going to sure? Read it? 
Yeah, so I have yeah. I have the dark mode that I use now because my eyes are sensitive. You got the cool the cool nifty dark mode. I don't even know how to do. Oh that. yeah, because <laughs> yeah, well, I got four monitors and they're glaring white from everything, and, I, and now I'm getting headaches. And so now I, I use dark yeah. mode. And so you, yeah, I, I think can... you showed you showed me your setup. It looks like you're just kind of in front of one thing, but like you should like this entire. <laughs> There's like a, a control uh -huh. center in front of you where you rule the world yeah. secretly. <laughs> I can, if you want, I can, uh, I can um, show, share, you know, move the camera around and show everybody if they want to know. But uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. So, uh, okay. So I have it here. So let me get this up here. Okay. Let me see. There it is. Now this is a, so this is the new world translation right here. And this is okay. a 2013 version, 1984 version. This one's really good to use. So I haven't been on here for a while. So what I'm going to do is uh, uh, let's just go to the let's go to uh, let's, let's do this. Is this one. on their website? This is their website, jw.org. Okay. okay. And so now what I'm going to do is go to First Corinthians one, and right there, just start reading. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will and Sosthenes, our brother, to the congregation of God that is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in union with Christ, called to be holy ones, together with all those everywhere who are calling on the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Mm. And I'm going to ask him, Paul the apostle knew that the phrase calling on or called on or call on the name of Yahweh and the Septuagint was called upon the name of the Lord. And notice he applies it to Jesus. And mm -hmm. I just ask him, can you explain why he does that? It's just, that's it. I just, I ask him, can you please explain that? And they stumble. Now it says here, our Lord. Okay. So what I'm going to do here is show you something. I'll go back here. Let's just do this live. Okay, and uh, the, the uh, kingdom interlinear, and I'll go to 1 Corinthians 1, and this is what it says here, calling upon the name of the Lord. This is of the Lord, that's what it is, of us. We don't talk like this. Let me do this here, control plus, plus, plus. Um, so what we do, see, this is what it says here, calling upon the name of the Lord. That's the Greek right there. That's that's what the Greek is right there. Okay. okay? This word, hemon, is of us, Jesus. But we don't say in English, calling upon the name of the Lord of us, Jesus. We say calling upon our Lord. That's why they have it as our, but the Greek is actually this. And I've got an article on this on Karm. All right. So this is a, uh, you know, you could even have your phone open up and you could show them this, not a big deal. And you could use their, their Bible. <clears throat> and, you know, with one Jehovah's Witness, this might really stump them. With another Jehovah's Witness, it might, they might say, well, I don't see any problem. And then you work with them and they can't see anything. Okay. This is what happens sometimes. So let me tr show you once what happened once when I was, I'll just do that. I'll continue to do this. All right. I'll continue to use their stuff. This is the 2013 version. What I did was I would show them varying verses in, in and this study is on CARM under that was called a plurality study. So you don't have to write everything down. It's okay. just in the plurality study and you can see what I'm doing here. 
<clears throat> and literally, I'm just going to say this because this is just a reminiscing thing. I've known a guy, uh, <clears throat> Dave Kimball, we were roommates, and I remember, and he remembers the time when we went out to a restaurant and stayed there for a few hours and worked through this study and some mm -hmm. other studies on how to develop studies against the Jehovah's Witnesses. Right. And this is a study we developed, and he we, we just talked about it a month ago. He goes, yeah, I remember when we did that. At any rate. So what I would do <clears throat> is I would do this. Now, this is how it used to be. I'll, I'll share a few things here. This is how it used to be in their version, Genesis 1924. All right. Is this okay, me doing it like this for you guys? Yeah, all right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Can you okay. zoom in a, a little bit more? It's okay if you can. I could still read it, but the bigger the better. There we go. That's much better. That's much betterer. Yes, most most bestest. <laughs> most bestest, okay. And so this is what it says, used to say in their Bible, and we you can check, check the newest ones. I believe this is, they did change it. But anyway, then Jehovah made it rain sulfur and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. It came from Jehovah out of heaven. Now notice what they see. They said Ooh, it came I've from. I've never seen that there. Yo, that's very... See, that's, that's when, you're used to, when you're used to reading something, it sounds a certain way when you read it out loud. That is so different that the moment you read it, I, would, I recognize that that's not in the original text. That's not the original. So what we'll do here, let's go to the 1984 version. I believe that, uh, okay, let's see. Oops, Genesis 19 and let's see if they, it's the same thing here. They changed it. Okay, then Jehovah made it rain sulfur and fire from Jehovah, hmm. from the heavens. That's correct, according to the Hebrew. And right. now you can see why they changed it. Right, because it implies, for those who, who <clears throat> don't know what you're getting at, it implies two persons. Yep. Which would so support this... the, the Trinitarian perspective. <clears throat> So what you can do is get an old Jehovah's Witness uh, Bible. You can go to a bookstore, you know, use bookstore, and you'll find them. Look for 1984 and older, mm -hmm. and you can have this ready, and you can just say, oh, I got my new new world translation. It'll cause them to wonder when they see the, the conflict. And uh, <clears throat> this is what I used to do all the time with them. I'd say, so I just say, can you help me understand this verse? And they would read it, and I would say nothing. They would stare. They would stare at their Bible. They'd stare at their Bible. They'd look at me, and about half the time, they'd look at me and they'd say, are you trying to show me the Trinity? Hmm. And I, I would respond with, you got the Trinity out of that? <clears throat> and, uh, there's, and then you go to Amos 4, 10, and 11, and stuff like that. Sure. But let me, let me show you what I'm going to do. Okay, so <clears throat> I would do that, but also check this out. Look at this, folks. When Abram got to be 99 years old, then Jehovah appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. That's what it says, right? No problem, right? Look at verse at chapter 18. <clears throat> go. Come on. You can do it. There we go. <laughs> Afterward, Jehovah appeared to him <clears throat> along uh, among the big trees of Mamre when he was sitting at the entrance of the tent. Okay, so Genesis 17, 1 and 18, 1, he appears. Now, when you go to Exodus 24, <clears throat> and Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the 
of the older men, I, mean, I want to do it the, the NASB way, 70 of the older men of Israel proceeded to go up and they got to see the God of Israel. And under his feet, there was what seemed to seemed like a work of sapphire, flagstone, and like the very heavens of, for purity. And he did not put out his hand against the distinguished men of the sons of Israel. They got a vision of the true God and they ate and they drank. Hmm. It does not say vision in the Hebrew. They changed this. So that 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 <clears throat> phrase "God of Vision" is not you can't get that from the Greek at all. From the that's Hebrew. literally an inter. That's not a that's not a translation. That's an interpretation and addition of words in the text. That's right. In fact, here let me do this. Let me get my Holly Bibble up. Um, this is my Holly Bibble, and I'll do the <laughs> share version. And Holly it'll, Bibble. It's Holly Bibble. Yeah, it's a it's a newer translation of the Holy Bible called the Holy Bible, and uh, but be I'm careful. Do... People want to take you serious. They're gonna be like, oh, "Where is that? <laughs> Where's the Holy Bible?" Uh, what I'll do is I'll go to uh, Exodus twenty four, and I'll do it over here. It's bigger. Exodus twenty four nine through eleven, and you can see the Hebrew down here. All right, and they saw the God of Israel right here. Right, they saw God of Israel and the nobles of sons. There is no, in Hebrew, in the Hebrew, there's no vision of the word vision. It's not there. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So <clears throat> knowing this, I'm not generally going to go here because they're going to say it's just a vision. Now I'm going to, I'm doing right now is actually kind of boning up on some stuff because I haven't done this sure. for so, so long. So what I'm going to do now is go to numbers and I'm going to learn and I'll tell you, I'll teach you what uh, I used to do with it. Uh, and then I'll go to a verse that I know will work for sure. Okay. Now, so this is Numbers 12, 6 through 8. Moses, uh, I mean, Aaron and, and uh, Miriam were complaining that Moses married a Cushite woman against Moses on account of the Cushite wife. Cushite's Ethiopian, incidentally, black woman. But they weren't upset because she was black, but because some other reasons about out, being over here and outside of this and that. Anyway. Okay. And, uh, <clears throat> So they were complaining. Uh, so it's, this is uh, number 12, six through eight. Okay, I have to say the whole thing. And God, this is God, went on to say, hear my words, please. If there came to be a prophet of yours for Jehovah, it would be in a vision. I would make himself known to him in a dream. I would speak to him. Not so with my servant Moses. He is being entrusted with all my house. Mouth to mouth I speak to him, thus showing him and not by riddles. And the appearance of Jehovah is what he beholds. When they did not see fear. So now here, there's no vision, right? In the NASB, it says, not a vision, not a dream. He beholds the form of Jehovah. Right. So you could go back to the other verse and say, well, wait a minute. This is a vision, but this says it's not a vision. And then you could say to the J-Dub, see, your Bible adds that word vision, but it's not there. You know, this is just stuff you have in the back of your head if you want to go there. Sure. All right. Having said that, let me show you this. This is where we get quick and slick. All right. So you don't have to remember all that stuff, but this I do want you to remember. All right. So you're talking to the Jehovah's Witness and Genesis 19, 24, Amos 4, 10 and 11 have been altered. Uh, you can see how Exodus 24, 9 to 11 has been a little bit altered. You could use, uh, we had a vision in that Exodus. Sorry, I speak so fast when I do these. I've been doing so for so long. Sure. Here's what I like to do. And God went on to speak to Moses and say to him, I am Jehovah. And I used to appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. So I asked the Jehovah's Witness, who's talking? God went to speak and said, 
I am Jehovah. And I'll ask them, is that an angel? Now, they're going to say, they, they, J-Dub might, I'm trying to tell you what happens. A J-Dub might say, well, the Bible says no man's seen God at any time. And you say, yeah, that's John 1.18. We'll go right. there in a minute. And I'll say, but, but yeah, you're right. But I, and I'm not setting the scripture against each other. I'm trying to understand this. And I think, and I'll tell them, I think I have an explanation. Maybe you could help me out here. Right? And they're, you know, they'll keep talking, right? But it says here that Jehovah, it's not an angel of the Lord. It's not a vision. It's not a dream. Because that's, he said, he speaks to Moses and said to him, I'm Jehovah. I used to appear to them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as God Almighty. So I say, uh, so God says he's Jehovah, and he appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. And I'll just say, I know about John 1.18, but do you agree this is what it says here? Now, right. at this point, they're going to be getting confused because they, they know what John 1.18 says. We'll go there. And they're ready for this kind of stuff with John 1.18. All right. And uh, so what you do <clears throat> is you go, it says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who's in the bosom of the position with the father is the one that's explained him. Right. Now say, so that, that has to be Jesus, right? I'm not going to worry about the begotten God thing. It's going to say, he, he's explained him. He's explained what's going on. Okay, and I'll say, you see that? So Jesus would just explain this, right? And they go, yeah, good. I agree with that. Here it is. John 6. Forty-six. Jesus says, not that any man has seen the Father, except he who is from God, this one has seen the Father. Not that any man has seen the Father. Now, Jesus has explained him this stuff of seeing God, not seeing God, but Jesus explained him, revealed him the whole bit. And say, if in Exodus 6, 2 and 3, God says that he was appearing to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, that's what it says, and yet Jesus says no one's ever seen the Father, then I have a question. Who were they seeing in the Old Testament who's not God the Father, but is God Almighty? Who is that? Mm. Now, good. I, oh, it's really good. So all you got to know is, is, is Exodus 6, 2 and 3, and um, uh, the, John 1, 18 and John 6, 46. Okay. You remember all three of those together. You got a good witnessing tool for them. And uh, then I remember this, this is a true story, a true story back, back before I was married. I mean, I've been married 34 years, I mean, a long time and I'm in Southern California and still at my home I, with my folks. I was back went there with them for a few months or something, you know, whatever it was, J-dubs at the door and these two girls come in and I'm very politely, I read them through this and I said, so who was they, who were they seeing in the old Testament? Who's God almighty, but not the father. And I still remember this, this girl's J-Dub girl, she's looking, she's looking, she doesn't say anything. Don't say anything at that point. They're thinking, just let them alone. And she looks at me, she goes, well, they were saying Jesus. <gasps> and she went like that. She, she closed her book and goes, we got to go. And then she just, poof, they were out of the door that fast. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's, see, that's quick and slick. Okay. That's see, what, what, I, what I think is amazing too, though. Can we share the screen um, back to the faces? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. 
There we go. Um, let me go here. Dude, there we go. We'll do one of those. Okay. Um, what I find amazing is a lot of Christians will go to try to demonstrate the Trinity or the deity of Christ to the New Testament, which I think is a, is entirely appropriate. But there are so many subtle, non-obvious uh, portions of the Old Testament that make these points in profound ways like you just did right there. This is the differentiation of persons without using the theological vocabulary that we use, uh, given the fact that we're kind of 2000 years out with church history already established these theological terms and things like this. Um, I think it's in fact, it's fascinating that the Lord appears to Abraham. You don't even realize that or, or, um, Amos four, when I first, uh, had, when I first heard you quote that one, I thought that was fascinating. It's so, it's so subtle, um, from a people, from a people who, they didn't have a full revelation at the time, yet they are, by inspiration, uh, writing these accounts, the words of the Lord, in a way that differentiates persons while still maintaining a monotheism. I think that's so interesting uh, and subtle with respect to how we can use the Old Testament there. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff there. And there's other stuff I can show you guys, too, if you want to see. Uh, can, sure. <laughs> well, well, let's, well, let's jump into some. Um, uh, let's have questions. Well, there are some questions. There's not a lot of people asking. There's a lot of people watching, just not a lot of people asking questions. But there was a question. Let's let's take it here because I know people will confront this um, often. So here's a question by Arthur Arthur Barry. He says, seeing that you, seeing that Jehovah's Witnesses believe Jesus is a created being, have you heard of them using Proverbs eight chap yes. uh, chapter eight verses twenty two through thirty one? And yes. what I want to do is I want to actually go there. Let's go. So. Let me open up my text here and read that. So I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Is that okay, Matt? ESV is essentially inspired. That's what E stands for. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, so I'll, Proverbs, I'll go to the J-Dub Bible and show it from there. Proverbs 8.22. All right. And uh, to 31. So it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abound, abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Um, so how do they use that, and how would we provide a response? Um, <clears throat> so here's the thing, is this is another issue with how the Jehovah's Witness organization corrupts the Bible. Now, if you were to look in uh, the Bible, okay, so I've, I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. and I have, um, I, oh, look at that. It's on the share thing. That's why I don't have do you want me to Do you want me to put your thing up back on the screen? If you want, sure. And what I'll do okay. is I'm going to show you something. And it's a right here, okay, right here. Whoops. Notice it says, this is the beginning of, of Proverbs. Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up? her voice and that is what's happening there lifting up her voice 
and her voice here. And you can, if you have tools, you can go in and look and you can find uh, uh, third person feminine singular. You can see what they're parsing it. Okay, but this is on uh, Blue Letter Bible. You can do this kind of a thing. So this is what it says here, her voice. Okay, but notice what they do. Does not wisdom keep calling out and discernment give forth its voice? Ah, those are subtle. Those are very subtle. They're subtle, they're but they're really... purposeful. Yeah. So here's the disadvantage of being the average Joe doing this kind of a thing. Uh, you, If you don't know about this and how to demonstrate that they have a problem, then you can't really go very far in some areas. This is one of them you wouldn't be able to do that unless you had like the blue letter Bible and you showed the interlinear and you showed where it says her and you can go to the King James and do the same thing. And mm -hmm. so uh, because they used to use the King James and <clears throat> uh, and here's what they, what it used to say in the King James and understand uh, understanding put forth her voice. Okay, wisdom and understanding. But so it's a personification, and wisdom is spoken of in the fe feminine. And so, if you've done this enough times where you've shown them the differences, you can say, "Why is it the New World Translation keeps changing things when sure. it comes to stuff about Jesus?" If you can say this is about Jesus, then, uh, and we'll talk about the continuity issue next. But if you can say this is about Jesus, then when the original says her then it can't be referencing Jesus, can it? And yet the J-Dub Bible changes it. Why does it, and just ask them, can you explain why it does that? Because I'm curious. You don't want to say they changed it because it's a cult and you're brainwashed, you stupid moron. You don't say that. You say, uh, why would they do that? Maybe you could, could you get back to me on that? I'd really like to know. And that way, by not being insulting and mean, you haven't put up an emotional roadblock. Now, the goal here ultimately is to, to talk to them as much as possible for as long as possible. And so what I'll do also when they leave my door after having talked with them like this, I'll make sure they don't see me following them. The reason is not to be uh, deceptive, but if they see it's me following them, they will tend to just throw out everything I've said. Hmm. So that's why I will, I will just stay. You know, I get good eyesight. Well, back then I used to have 2010 vision and I uh, could see, you know, I could see stuff on, on like Mars. I could see some of the dust storms. It was great, you know, but now I, you know. anyway, so you can do that and uh, you, can, you can gradually show them this kind of stuff and sure. and then you can follow them and watch and, and stay, keep your distance and stuff like that and go to the doors later on with information. So, so do you think, so do you, okay. So when someone, you know, when they learn about the Jehovah's Witness kind of just in passing, I, they, there's the common things like, oh, those are those those are those weird people who don't celebrate birthdays or they don't celebrate holidays. Um, that's probably not the best place to start in conversation with them. Um, what are the sorts of things that you could um, share with people as to as to how to get to really the core issue? How, how should we begin the conversation so that we don't waste time talking about peripheral sorts of things, things that are unimportant? Well, one of the things I like to do is steer the conversation to something that's important, and that is salvation. Okay. You know, what do you have to do to be saved? I just say, I just say to them, I, I'll talk to them this way. I'll say, you know, we want the same thing. We want to serve God. We want to be with Him. Mm -hmm. You know, or you know, have our sins forgiven. And then I'll say, yeah. 
and say that's that's good because that's what I want. And um, so I, I asked, how do you get your sins forgiven? And just leave it open like that. And I want them to give me good. I want them to give me uh, an explanation. Because what's going to happen is, well, you got to go door to door. Now, here's not, they're not going to say the exact same thing, but it's basically going to be faith and works. Okay. You got to be associated with Jehovah's true organization for one thing. You got to be baptized. You have to uh, repent of your sins, et cetera. It's not faith and trust in Jesus, but it's faith and trust in what Jesus did to reopen the door by which you then earn salvation. Okay. Now, this is something I would recommend that all Christians become familiar with, and that's Romans chapter 4, 1 through 5. So Romans 4, 1 through 5, okay? But to the one who does not work. Uh, you, you, that, was, that was the one that got me with the whole, uh, with the whole salvation by faith alone when I was first learning. But to the one who – I memorized it because of you. To the one who does Good. not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned to him as righteousness. Well, thanks for taking away the glory of my explanation, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I'm giving it, giving it back to you. The only, <laughs> only reason why I remember that is because I've heard you say it like a bajillion so many times. times. <laughs> that's right. I'm teasing you, man. But um, So Romans 4, verses 1 through 5. I do this. I want people to see this, okay? You should become familiar with it. And obviously, Eli is. And it's a great verse. I use it for Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Roman Catholics. Uh, That being, this is with the the New World Translation. If you want to share the screen again, we'll read it from from their Bible. Because you want to use their Bible, all right? That being so, what shall we say about Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if, for instance, Abraham were if, for instance, Abraham were declared righteous as a result of works, he would have a ground uh, for boasting, but not with God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham exercised. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Sorry. Abraham exercised faith in Jehovah, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And I can stop right there and say to the J-Dub, do you exercise your faith in Jehovah? Because that's what it says, right? Mm. Now, it actually that doesn't say Jehovah in the Bible in the New Testament anywhere. Even when it Jehovah is quoted from the Old Testament text, it's Lord. Mm, okay? okay. And you believe God and, and stuff. They'll they'll do this. I could get really in depth on a lot of things that they alter, but well not going to do that. Okay. So Abraham exercised faith in Jehovah. Don't worry about it. Just go see and you do that? Yeah, okay. And it was counted him as righteousness. So what was counted? It was his faith. And they're going to look at it. Don't don't try and add. Once you see a J dub, just start looking at the text. They're just they're quiet and they're looking. Don't say anything. Take the opportunity to pray. Let them deal with what it says. Okay. And then you might make a comment and then interact with a comment. Say, well, you got to be good. You got to do stuff. Yeah, we do have to be good. You're right. We do. But it gets interesting here. And it goes on. Now, to the man who works, the pay is not counted, not as one as an undeserved kindness, but as a debt. And this verse right here really gets me. The verse five, just like Eli did, I'd say this verse five here is is so important, I think. On the other hand, to the man that does not work, but puts faith in him who declares ungodly when righteousness, his faith is counted as righteousness. That's just like verse three. So, so Joe's witness, you know, thank you for telling, for being here and helping your name, whatever. Could you tell me, how do you explain this? What does this mean to you? And you see what's happening here. 
is I am teaching by asking questions. Mm. And this is important. Can you please tell me, well, you know, here it is. And this is my tone. The way I'm speaking is actually how I talk to them at the door. Sure. This is how I actually do. This is, I, I'm not doing anything different. And so, um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm sitting here. I, I want them to, to, uh, to look. And so atomic apologetics, man. Oh, <laughs> that's right. We did. They got, I got in trouble. Um, J-Dubs at the SeaTac airport. That's another thing. Okay, so anyway, so I'll do is I'll stick and I'll say, can you explain this to me? That's what I want them to do is explain it to me. But notice what just happened. We read the text out of their Bible. Now, could you please explain what this means to me right here? Now, they're going to be sitting here looking at this. It's apart from the watchtower manipulation system. What does it mean? And then they might, you never know what they're going to say. They might say something like, well, you know, uh, faith that works is dead. Okay. And you say, you're right. Faith without works is dead. And that's in James, right? Yes, right. it is. Okay. And so I'll say, all right. Okay. Uh, I agree with you. Faith without works is dead. You are out here. You believe and you are doing what you believe. Your faith is manifested by your works, right? I can't fault you for that, right? Your faith is manifested by your works. And they go, that's right. That's what it means, faith without works. They go, I agree with you. I, I, that's what it is. And I said, now this is for us to know, and it depends on how much you want to use this. Of okay. what benefit is it, my brothers? This is James 2, starting at verse 14. What benefit is it, my brothers, if a certain one says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Now say, you are out here doing your door-to-door -door stuff, and and I think more people should do that, which is true. Not that I mean the J-dubs, but more people should do that. And so you're, you're demonstrating that faith, right? And I'll say yes. And it says here, if a brother or sister is naked in a naked state and lacking the food sufficient for the day, yet a certain one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm and well-fed, but you do not give them the necessities uh, of their body. Well, what benefit is that? Thus, too, faith, if it does not have works, is dead in itself. Nevertheless, a certain one, this is, this is the critical verse. Nevertheless, a certain one will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Mm. This is what we call the horizontal. This is the horizontal. This is justification before men. Watch this. Let me get over here. I've got two tabs open. This is for people here to understand this so that they can properly use this. Now I see on the top of your screen, you got a thousand folders. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Is that, are those just different topics depending on who you're talking to? You just kind of pop one open and you got all your stuff there. Yeah. This is atheistic, uh, my books and things like that. This is okay. uh, cryptocurrency. This is stuff in CARM. This is social things I go to. These are, let's see what else I got stuff. These are categories that I'll do Huffington post. I'll go meet up JW stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, look, they see the 2013 version, not 84 version SDA SEO. And, and that's just on my right screen, screen, which you're looking at, that's Firefox. <laughs> on my left screen is Chrome, and I have another set over there. Okay, okay. so there we go. Getting right. a little glimpse into the command center. Go ahead. I apologize. And that's I right. Apologize. That's right. I should show them my, everything I got. Maybe they would like to see yeah. that. Maybe, you know, maybe towards the end. That'd be that'd be great. Okay. I'd love okay, to see we'll what you got there. All right. So what I've done is said, uh, this is uh, 
this is the J-Dub Bible stuff. You have two tabs, so it's really convenient. Nevertheless, a certain one will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith. I'll show you my faith. This is the horizontal. What does it say in Romans 4? That being so, what shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? If, for instance, Abraham were declared righteous as a result of works, he'd have the ground, but not with God. He attempted mm. to ground most of, but not with God. This is the vertical. For what does the scripture say? Abraham exercised faith in Jehovah and is credited him as righteousness. Verse five on the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies you and godly, his faith is credited as righteousness. That's I had to go back to the NASB. Sure. So this is the vertical Romans four. This is the horizontal James two. This is what we Christians have got to, what you guys have to know about this. This is what's going on here. So when they go to James, it they think that James is vertical. But it's not. James is horizontal. Because right. notice what it says. You believe there's one God, do you? You're going doing quite well. And yet the demons believe. So I say, this is obviously a, a, a false faith. It's just, it's empty. It doesn't do anything. And also, it's before people. Because notice what it says. Someone comes in naked. And you say this. It's about people right there, right. brother or sister. It's before show you show me or I'll show you yours and, and stuff like that. So, but do you care? Oh man, empty man, faith apart works is inactive. Was not Abraham our father declared righteous by his by works when he offered up Isaac his son? Now, this is something we've got to talk about here. This is a little bit tough, okay? And you, but you ask the question, justified uh <clears throat> before who? Well, before God with, yeah. by his works or yeah. before man. It's because the same thing here is quoted by mm -hmm. Paul in Romans 4. So I tell him, I said, look, this is not justification before God. It's justification before people. Because that's how we know that Abraham is righteous from what he did. That's how we know. Right. But when you go back to here, Romans 4, okay, it's justification, but Abraham was declared righteous as a result of works. If that's the case, you have grounds for boasting, but not with God. So you have to go back and forth with them. You have your fingers in both places. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So you, the Christians here, you need to know this, and you need to be able to go back and forth with Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And there's more you could go, but this is an easy uh, thing to remember while you do that with James. Uh, and then he said, you behold, uh, faith worked along with his works. Uh, and by this, his faith was perfected. You see, see, faith was there with his works, right? But it's not the faith and the works. Right. Now, you need to have some things ready in your head, such as this, if you're taking notes. You need to have this ready. Come on, Matthew chapter Okay, it's not going to give me Matthew chapter. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and see what happens here. Then I'll go to Matthew 7. See if it'll go to 7. There we go. A little glitch they had there. And uh, <clears throat> so, Matthew 7, 22 and 23. And I'll say, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and expel demons in your name and perform many powerful works in your name? And yet I will confess to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Now, I'll ask the Jade if we can go this far, if they're not gone by then, Mr. or Miss Jehovah's Witness, could you please tell me, this is on the day, the day of, of the Lord, the day of judgment, right? And I'll say yes. What were they appealing to for their salvation? The Lordship of, of Jesus and what they did. And they're condemned. And just depending on what they do and how they react, they may say, well, we're done talking. And, and okay, uh, that's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, but, it, you know, it just depends. I, I've gotten this far with J-dubs before. Okay. Yeah. And you can, you know, it just happens sometimes. And it's not Luke 16, it's Luke uh, 18. But it won't show me the whole thing. So I have to go wait for it to show up. Come on. Let's go to Luke 18. There we go. I had a little glitch on their system. Not because I have the screen so big. The font size doesn't show up. Right. All right. So Luke 18, 9 through 14. But Jesus spoke this illustration, parable, also to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Notice what, this is what is it. They trust in themselves that they're righteous. And you consider the rest as nothing. Now say, and if you get it with a J-dub, think about this. In their mind, they're the ones who are righteous. You're the one who's not righteous. Because you don't have the truth in the kingdom of God's kingdom, Jehovah's kingdom. So when he says he trusted in themselves that they were righteous and considered others, the rest as nothing. This is what they do. All right. But don't point out that's what they do. Just read this. And say, this is what it says. Illustration is the trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And we're going to find, I tell Jada, we're going to find out what that, what Jesus is saying here. And, you know, consider the rest, you know, it was nothing. Two men went up to the temple. Now, they may at this point already be familiar and they may make a comment. They may say, well, you know, works over here in James. Say, so, yeah, that, that's true. But we could look at that later if you want, if you haven't already looked at it. But, but this says right here. So what I'm doing is I'm not letting them take me to a tangent someplace else. Sure. Just want to focus. You say, yeah, I see that, but we could talk about that later. But right here, you got to do this continually. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and began to pray these things to himself. Oh, God, I thank you. I'm not as the rest of men, extortioners, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all the things I acquire. And I say to the say to the people, well, look what he's doing here. A Pharisee is not a bad guy. He's doing what's right. He prays. He believes and trusts in Jehovah. Because that's where, oh God, it's, it's going to be Jehovah, right? You could say that, yeah. He doesn't steal. He's not a thief. Not like other people. He, he does the good. He pays tithes. He, he uh, fasts twice a week. He's a good guy. But the tax collector standing at a distance was not willing even to raise his eyes heavenward but kept beating his breast saying oh god be gracious to me a sinner it doesn't say a sinner it says the sinner in the greek mm. i tell you this man went down down to his house whom proved more righteous now this is a bastardization of the text proved more righteous mm. because what they're saying here is the pharisee is righteous but he's more righteous and you can ask uh. him yeah. You can say, okay, so is the Pharisee righteous? And you could just have this conversation with them. Why is it that Jesus 
says that this man went to his home, proved more righteous than, than that man, the one who was doing all the good stuff. Now, what I'm trying to do is stick with what their text says, because that's what they're going to go to. Sure. I try to work with it. Now, let me show you what the, uh, the Bible actually says. Okay. And uh, let me put this, pull this down here. What I'll do is I will, because uh, people need to see it better. All right. There. Hope that's helpful. All right. Right. Now. So I'll go to Luke 18, 9. Okay. And uh, I think in the blah, 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 blah. blah. Uh, I give things twice. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, I thought it was the sinner. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm going to correct myself. Oh, I am incorrect. It is a sinner. I thought it was the sinner. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I'm always learning. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. That's what's going on here. That's the correct translation, okay? This man uh -huh. went down to his house justified. And you can check this out, uh, what it means here. It is the perfect passive. It's something that happened to him, and it's in the participial form, which means it's, it's a perfect participle, which means having been justified. That's what it's literal. It's a literal way of saying it because the participle is ing, and perfect is have been having been justified. So he's the one having been justified or just say he was justified, which is correct, rather rather than the other, okay, by contrast. So what the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible has done, obviously, is to um, make the text uh, change so that you have a bit of an uphill battle. But what you want to do is get him to say, well, in Matthew 7, 22, 23, they were appealing to, to uh, what you know many on this stage would not do this and do that and do that get away from me i never knew you that's matthew 7 22 and 23. so in that verse that's why you got to know these together that verse says that and this says here does jesus teach the same thing now you you've got a good conversation going so these are the kinds of things you can do with jehovah's witnesses and uh you, you know and you'll, you'll notice from my approach it's patient it's almost right. apologetic in tone, um, I, I say, I, I never lie to them. I never intended to see them. I say, maybe you can help me because it, it is true. I don't believe it's really going to happen, but it's possible. And I have been surprised by a few people before. Okay. And I'm asking them to help me, but them to test or to teach me sure. from the word of God. But I'm doing it, like I said earlier, apart from the Watchtower's guidance and the Watchtower magazine of the Awake etc. They're there by themselves with the Bible. And that, that reminds me, I will show you a, I got to show this to you. I just got to do this. This is a okay. great. Uh, and I, I, do you think also a good tactic would be to place a wedge between the Jehovah's witness and the watchtower society's be overarching interpret interpretation? I mean, to, how, how might we, uh, how might we uh, give I'll reason to doubt uh, the watchtower organization? How can we, you know, share that with the with the Jehovah's Witness. Uh, this is a quote worth having right here. Okay. okay. Let me now, just share that. 
this is a quote worth having. This is on CARM, which is, in my opinion, one of the greatest websites on the entire internet, and that you should be checking it. Yeah, but daily. neutrality is impossible. So we know your, you know, we know your bias. <laughs> I am so not neutral. That's for sure. All right. So where's the word reading? I put it right there. Okay. <clears throat> so this is what. Check this out. August fifteenth, nineteen eighty-one. From time to time, there have arisen from among the ranks of Jehovah's people those like or who, like the original Satan, have adopted an independent fault-finding attitude. They say it is sufficient to read the Bible exclusively, either alone or in small groups at home. But strangely, through such Bible reading, they have reverted right back to the apostate doctrines that commentaries by Christians' clergy were teaching 100 years ago. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Jehovah's Witness. Is the Watchtower telling me that if I just read the Bible by itself, I'll end up believing in the Trinity? That's an apostate doctrine, right? It says, if I just read it, they, they, it's sufficient to read the Bible, either alone or small groups. But strangely, through such Bible reading, they've reverted right back to the apostate doctrine. So I say, so you're telling me this is telling me that if I just read the Bible for what it is, I'll end up believing in the Trinity. Is that correct? Hmm. This is why this is important. <clears throat> That's good stuff, man. All right. Well, let's um, I actually want to I have two more questions before we get to the, the Q&A. Um, <clears throat> one is, has to do with uh, prophecy, because I know that there's a, a great emphasis on prophecy in the um, uh, in the Watchtower theology. Uh -huh. Um, and also uh, kind of a, a quick summary of how to apply presuppositional methodology to a Jehovah's Witness. And so I'm going to take a moment. Um, I'll, I'll ask you the prophecy question first, but then I want to take a moment to read uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5, and, and, and ask you how can we apply uh, the principles in Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 to the Jehovah's Witness so we can kind of get a good presuppositional application. There are a lot of questions uh, pertaining to presuppositionalism and its application to competing religious perspectives. And so when we are uh, engaging in presuppositionalism, utilizing a transcendental argument, it's usually within the context of uh, a Christian versus an atheist. Uh, but there is actually um, ways in which we can apply presuppositionalism to any perspective. So I want to explore that a little bit as my last question. Um, so before we get to that, um, how might we um, use prophecy um, or the false prophecy of the watchtower as an apologetic? I mean, is that is that something worthy of pursuing or do they kind of have a, a an answer to the many an answer. false prophecies? Yeah. So why don't you walk us through that? Yeah, their answer is we admitted we made false prophecies, so we're not false prophets anymore. Is that is that an official response? Is that an official response or something? This, this is what I've heard from them over the years. Now I got to tell you, of late, I've not talked to hardly any Jehovah's Witnesses in past sure. in, in uh, several years now. I moved okay. to Idaho, and there's not too many here. And the ones that did come to my door, they uh, they don't come here for some reason. They don't come here anymore. So if you want to share the screen again, I'll show you something. <clears throat> This list of prophecies, I did not put this together. Someone else did years ago, and it shut down entire kingdom halls. The mm. entire kingdom halls just, just shut the doors down because they saw these prophecies. So, But they're prepared for it now. Yeah, we made mistakes in the past. It's mistakes, okay? But nevertheless, 
This is what the Jehovah's Witness uh, organization says, April 1st, which I think is appropriate. Uh, <clears throat> this prophet was not one man, but was a body of men and women. It was a small group of footstep followers of Jesus Christ known at that time as international Bible students. Today, they're known as Jehovah's Christian Witnesses. Of course, it is easy to say that this group acts as a prophet of God. It's another thing to prove it. 1897, I have these books out in the garage. <clears throat> okay. Uh, our Lord, the appointed, I believe I have them in. I have a lot of these, okay? Our Lord, the appointed king, is now present since October 1874. Okay. 1899, they, this is the date that they wrote this, okay? Okay. The battle of the great God of Almighty, God Almighty, Revelation 16, 14, which will end in A.D. 1914 with the complete overthrow of Earth's present rulership is already commenced. <clears throat> okay, it's the time of hand. 1908 edition, they updated. This was written earlier. Okay. 1918, therefore, we may confidently expect that 1925 will mark the return of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the faithful prophets of old, particularly those named by the apostles in Hebrews 11, to the condition of human perfection. Millions will now living, will never die, page 89. Wait, so, that, so that was supposed to have happened already. How do they explain that uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, let's see what they say. Okay. They explain right. it here. It's right. 1922, the date 1925 is even more distinctly indicated by scriptures than 1914. In 1923, our thought is that 1925 is definitely settled by the scriptures. As to Noah, the Christian now has much more upon which to base his faith than Noah had upon which to base his faith in the coming deluge. Remember, God spoke directly to, to uh, Noah, mm -hmm. but we they have more now. 1925. The year 1925 is here. With great expectations, Christians look forward to this year. Many have confidently expected that all members of the body of Christ will be changed to heavenly glory during this year. This may be accomplished. It may not be. In his own due time, God will accomplish his purpose concerning his people. Christians should not be so deeply concerned about what may transpire this year. 1931. There was a measure of disappointment on the part of Jehovah's faithful ones on earth concerning the years 1917, 1918, and 1925, which disappointment lasted for a time. And they also learned to quit fixing dates. Now, did they? No, they didn't. We could go on. I could read more. But uh, 1968 talks about 1975. Uh, or, right here. Why are you looking forward to 1975? And so they continue to do this. Now, they're, they're used to, to this. And so you can't, if you bring it up, you got to be careful when you bring it up because they may or may not respond. They may or may not close the door right away. And uh, I brought it up with Jehovah's Witnesses and you have to do it in a very careful way. You know, Mr. Jehovah's Witness, I, I've heard that there have been false prophecies. Um, I actually have, I, I've seen them listed out. Uh, could you explain that to me? I, I'm really curious. Yeah. And notice how I'm talking. This is not mockery. It's not fake sincerity, but it's it's a way to communicate with them to try and get them to continue to engage. If I were to do it the way I'm capable of doing it, you know, it says in Deuteronomy 18, if you were to make a false prophecy, then you're no longer of God. You should not listen to him. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society claimed it was a prophet of God in April 1st, 1972, page 197. And you made prophecy. It's just not going to work. Okay. So I just say you get you can collect more uh, more flies with a with honey than a hammer. Okay, yeah. so okay. 
All right, excellent. Um, my, this is my last question, and then we'll move on to the um, uh, the Q and A. Uh, we have some Q, uh, questions that that people sent in here. Um, so, um, how might we apply a presuppositional approach to um, Jehovah's Witness? Now, real quick, everything that you've done in terms of pointing to specific passages and going through some of the Greek and some of the history there is not inconsistent with the presuppositional approach. So I just want to let people know uh, presuppositionalism is not allergic to the utilization of evidence and appealing to certain facts and things like that. Um, But let us read uh, Proverbs 26 verses four and five. It says here, do not answer a fool according to his folly or you yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Now, this is a passage that is often used by presuppositionalists um, to demonstrate a kind of two-step approach in engaging the unbeliever. So on the one hand, we don't answer the fool according to his folly. But then on the other hand, we do answer the fool according to his folly to show the folly of his ways. How might we apply that methodology to a Jehovah's Witness um, if we're thinking of this from a presuppositional perspective? Well, I've actually done a lot of that tonight because what I've done is yes. said is presuppose, well, use what they presuppose against them. They presuppose mm. certain things and okay. then shown where their presuppositions can't be harmonious. Now, right. this is a subtle way of doing this. Of course, if a JW really wanted to sit down and we could go through Trinitarian presuppositional apologetics related to the Unitarian insufficiencies, we could do that. And with the one and the sure. many and the solitude issue and the manifestation of personhood. And there's some other things that I could say that, like, here's one, I'll write it down. But uh, next, oh, I got this note up here. The Ayalarites that wear turbans and shout loudly. I just, uh, it's a cult <laughs> mentioned earlier there. Um, <laughs> That's not a Jesus. real cult. There's a, there's going to be it's someone not. that's like, what, what's that cult that he was talking about? The Ayala. You can't even see my the, name wouldn't even make a cool the Ayala rights. The, the Ayala right rights. to be an Ayala person, <laughs> and you have to wear a turban and shout loudly, and the see, advanced people can see. walk without their head going up and down. They're just going to walk. For, like for those who have no idea what you're talking about, Matt thinks that if you say my name really quick, it sounds like a Muslim war cry. <laughs> my full name. My full. <laughs> My full, Ayala, name is, Ayala. Is, <laughs> my, my full name is Elias Ayala. You say that five times fast, it sounds like you're speaking in tongues. Alas, 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 <laughs> you know what you could do is just walk up in a white robe to a bunch of people standing outside and just take a bag and put it down and go, Ayala, 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 and then run. They would, they would buy it. It would work. All right. I feel That's better. Awesome. Um, and so uh, – so anyway, when you you have, to, they, you have to understand what they presuppose. They don't presuppose the sufficiency and the authority of God, Jehovah. Okay. They presuppose the sufficiency and the authority of God's organization. Mm. Now they'll say, Matt, you are wrong. Jehovah is true. He's used our organization. But I can show you the stuff where it says uh, that you cannot Oh, where's that one? You cannot even understand. Yeah. Uh, See, only this organization functions for Jehovah's purpose and to his praise. It alone is sacred. uh, The sacred word, the Bible, is not sealed. Uh, The Bible is an organizational book and belongs to the Christian congregation as an organization, not to individuals, regardless of how sincerely they may believe they can interpret it. 
and is fully documented. Look at this. We should meekly go along with the Lord's theocratic organization. They call themselves the theocratic organization and wait for further clarification rather than balk at the first mention of a thought unpalatable to us. Theocratic ones will appreciate the Lord's visible organization and not so be so foolish as to put against Jehovah's channel their own human reasoning and sentiment and personal feelings. So, well, right okay. there, Matt, well, you said uh, you did uh, a quote <clears throat> before that one where it says that they, we shouldn't balk at um, at what did it say? It says here at the first mention of a thought unpalatable to us. Yeah, that's not really the <clears throat> situation. I mean, people aren't balking at Jehovah's Witness theology because it's just unpalatable. Uh, we balk at it because it's blatantly false. I mean, you have these false prophecies. If this organization is really the mouthpiece of God on earth, it does uh -huh. not give evidence. It does not give evidence of right. that in a way that's consistent with scripture. So it's not an issue of being unpalatable. It's an issue of just being demonstrably false. And, and we need to point this out to people. That's right. That is absolutely correct. It takes time and it takes work. Now, notice this one I have highlighted here because this is important too. This is okay. really important. All who want to understand the Bible should appreciate that the greatly diversified wisdom of God can become known only through Jehovah's channel of communication, the faithful and discreet slave. Okay? Okay. So this is why I say to people, I sometimes say they're not Jehovah's Witnesses, they're watchtowerites. Now you'll understand why I say that, okay? I say they're, okay, now we're done. Say they're watchtower rights. They follow what the watchtower tells them. But that's what it is. The watchtower has control over their minds, over their lives and everything. They're really watchtower rights. And that's why I'll tell you, they are. They're watchtower rights. Sure. So they presuppose the sufficiency of the watchtower Bible and tract society. So here's one of the things that you can do. You're depending, there's a lot of things I've given you. You case them all at once, and you know, but Jehovah's Witness, you can ask them to interpret something from you for you in the scriptures, like Romans 4, verses 1 through 5, okay, which is I recommend you do that. And then you can ask them questions. You can say, Can you explain this to me? Now, what you're doing right here is causing them to think apart from the watchtower's control. Mm. trying to think apart from the watchtower's control. You're trying to get them to think independently. You're trying to do that. And you want to do that because you want to get them away from that brainwashing. And it takes a long time for someone to come out. Sure. It takes about two years, uh, usually. Okay, so you see, and you can do it. Notice how I'm doing this very patiently and very kindly. A lot of people think I'm so mean and stuff. I'm not, yeah, you know, unless it's so I, to Eli here, then I am, but, you know, to mock him. And so let's say, could you help me understand this? And, and I'm getting them to see and look. And here's something that a lot of people don't realize. Isaiah 55, 11, God's word will not come back empty without accomplishing what he desires. So what you have to do is use God's word. Go to the scriptures and there's enough of truth within the NWT, New World Translation, to get them to think. You have to go to their Bible and you have to look at it and see. And then mm -hmm. you can use it. Romans 4, 1 through 5, we just saw, is pretty good. And so you can go there and you can work with them. And what you're doing is undermining the presuppositions of the truth of the watchtower by simply reading what the scriptures teach. Mm. This is the idea. You have to understand they're watchtowerites. They believe what the watchtower tells them to think, tells them to believe, tells them to do. They're watchtowerites. 
So you have to presuppose this in, their, in your mind about them. That's why you have to go to the word and simply stick with the word. That's why I wouldn't go to the false prophecies unless it comes later on. Okay. I wouldn't go to other things unless it's later on. What does it say? Can you help me understand this? I think, and I tell them this, I think I understand it pretty well. I've studied sure. it, but I'm always open to being corrected. Okay. And that's fine. And it's true. And I am still corrected. Uh, my wife does that a lot. And so you have to be open for this. You tell them that and you have them explain. Now they're thinking independently from the watchtower because they're not going to go to Romans four. It's not something uh, that they can be prepared for like they would with remember call upon the name of the Lord. That's, you know, Psalm 116, four, Zechariah 13, nine, first Corinthians one, two, you go through those. I should say them more slowly. Psalm 116, four, Zechariah 13, nine, first Corinthians one, two, and you can go to Carm and look up just in the search, just look up, call upon the name of the Lord. Just type that in and you'll see the article on first Corinthians one, two. It's an extensive article because it's a very powerful argument. Some Jehovah's witnesses have tried to tackle me on it and it caused me to do even more research. And mm. then they stopped because it became even more powerful. Yeah. Um, so there, I don't know if that helps. That that no, helps. that's, that's very, that's very helpful. That's very helpful. So, so, so don't answer the fool. Uh, don't, don't go with the Jehovah's witness undergirding assumption, but then hypothetically grant their assumption, hypothetically grant that the watchtower is reliable and then look at their own sources and show given the truth of their own sources, they undermine their own principles, their own perspective. Yeah. So um, that is what you call in presuppositional talk an internal critique, an internal critique, which is a very important concept, which I go into great depths on my online class. If you're interested in learning apologetics, you could sign up for that, um, that we actually spent a, uh, an entire um I spent an entire lecture just talking about the importance of internal critiques. It's very, very important. Good. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, actually, Matt, I remember you actually helped uh, with my online course a, a while back. You do so many things you don't, you don't remember. Yeah. So, so at the end I of the five, important stuff. Yeah. Well, at the end of the five weeks, I invite a, a guest oh, apologist right. to do some role playing and you, you pretended to be an atheist. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. <laughs> you make a good atheist. You make a yeah, good atheist. That's right, that's right. I got stories about doing stuff like that, but in real yeah. situation with churches, but yep, that's right. Very yeah. good. You, you got so, a good uh, class, though. They did pretty well. Yeah, they did. They did. All right. So um, let's go through some questions. I'm going to start from the bottom here. I think this is actually pretty fun, though. Someone, uh, Randall, looked up my name. He says, uh, Ayala is a Hebrew female given name, meaning gazelle, <laughs> doe, or hind. <laughs> I, I, I like the hind it. part. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never looked up my name before. I, that's I, I got to double check that. That's that's awesome. So hide, huh? Uh, yeah. So uh, just all right, fun, we love you. Thank you very much, Randall. Now I know what my name means. It's uh, now I can never walk away. Walk around. Yeah, I, I'm not. Okay. I don't feel tough anymore. All right. Ayala. Ayala is a strong name until you realize yeah, what it is. Not now. Yeah. Well, oh, it's not goodness. a Hebrew name. It's where's it come from? It comes from. Where's it come it from? Is, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm Puerto Rican. I don't know if it's a name that's popular in Puerto Ayala. Rico at all. Yeah. Aya means there, you know, this is Aya. Aya, Aya, Aya. Aya, Aya, La, over there, those. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Let, let, let's look for some questions here. Okay. I got to scroll through them quickly. So uh, let's see here. There were a couple. Let me see how many people follow directions and put the word question in front of the 
Well, you can always just read them and and it says what is or how do. Those are usually yeah no, of interrogatives. I, I'm trying. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. Okay, here's a here's a good question. Uh, can anyone name any of the so-called Greek scholars who translated the original Greek to bring about the New World translation? That's another issue. There was actually a trial about this back in the day. Okay. And uh, they tried to get them and they couldn't find any. And uh, they said that they had their own internal scholars. It turned out the internal scholars didn't know squat. And uh, they what they do then is go to, they, they scan through varying Greek text to find something that mm -hmm. they can use out of context for their own benefit. One of the instances is they actually did this with Dana Manti. Dana and, Man Dana and Manti's uh, Greek text. And Manti, I believe it was Manti, who was at uh, an old friend of mine I used to know back in uh, Southern California, um, Bob Passantino. And he's brilliant. Bob Passantino's brilliant. I, think he's, I don't know if he's still around or not. But at any rate, uh, Manti was at his door, at his house, spent the night, or I think it spent the night, and was Saturday morning, was knocking the door, and Jehovah's Witnesses come to the door. And the Jehovah's Witnesses... Uh, Manti was there. Manti, who taught Greek, okay, okay. writes Greek manuals, right? Uh, they started quoting Manti to him, not knowing who it was. And uh, he said, well, that's 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 out of context. He goes, well, no, it's not. The watchtower does its work. He says, no, I know for a fact it's out of context. And and my friend Bob said he's just watching this like, you know, like this is good, you know. And uh, he says, I know it's out of context. Well, how could you possibly know that? Because I'm the guy who wrote it. My name's Manti. And, I'm this, and their jaws dropped, mm. you know. <laughs> and uh, That's hilarious. I love that story, you know. No, I love stuff like that. Well, there wasn't there a guy who's like, hey, you should really, you know, he met you. Some, I think you met some guy in some event you were at. And the guy was like, man, you should really, <laughs> you should really check out this website, karm.org. It's C-A-R-M dot org. Yeah. You should really check it out. Yep. Oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, I yeah. should do that. That's uh -huh. a good idea. Once I was at another place, there was a track I'd written and all over Southern California it was used. And as we're talking, this guy comes over the car. He goes, hey, look, dude, man, I know you're out here witnessing with this. You, have you ever seen this track? It is an incredibly good track. Look at this track. And he shows me that it's called the warning track. And I go, yeah, I have seen that. And uh, he goes, this is great. It's great. This letter. I go, yeah, I wrote that. He goes, what? So yeah, it happens a few times. <laughs> That's awesome. My wife's not our, impressed. No, though our wives usually aren't impressed with all this apologetics. <laughs> and apologetics doesn't work. I mean, we can we can do apologetics against Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, atheists, all that stuff. But for some reason, there is no book written where you can use apologetics on your wives. <laughs> Actually, there is a book. Uh -oh. How to you how to woo book. and win women by being an obnoxious jerk. <laughs> um, that's a real book I've written, folks. It's on Amazon. You can go look it up. It's real. I can and attest. It's real, this. and it's it's uh, how to woo and win women by being an obnoxious jerk. And I have a section there, a chapter on girl logic. And if you know how to use that, you can win. <laughs> All right, excellent. Uh, Vincent the sire asks the question: What are your thoughts on Jehovah's Witness false prophecies? We covered that, but if you want to, you want to maybe give a quick response there. What was the question again? I was reading the text. Uh, yeah. What was the uh, what are your thoughts on the Jehovah's Witness false prophecies? Are they apologetically oh. useful? Should, should yes, we bring are. them up? OK. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're useful. And uh, you should use them carefully at the right time. Because here's the thing. I could say exactly the same thing you say 
to a, to two different Jehovah's Witnesses, it works mm -hmm. or doesn't work or vice versa. Sure. Or they get mad, they don't get mad. So you just do your best. And uh, then when they leave, you, you review, I could have done this better, should have done that better, et cetera. So is it worth doing? Yes, it is. Is it worth not doing? Yes, it is. So you do your okay. best and bring them up when you think it's right. And if, let me tell you, this is not an if. If you mess up, let me tell you, not an if. When you mess up, don't worry about it. Okay. Just just continue on and, 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 and admit it. And I'll tell you, if you want to learn about screw-ups, you hang out with me. And this is no joke. I, I go witnessing. I do stuff. And, and you'll see. I could have done that better. Could have done this better. Could have done that better. It's always the case. Mm -hmm. And so don't be afraid to take a risk because the ones who never risk never get anything accomplished. And so take a chance. All right. I was smirking because I was trying to read through the comments here. And I'm just, I just got to put this up because this, this is hilarious. So Atomic Apologetics says, my, my first visit with Jehovah's Witnesses was in the morning and I was still sleeping and I answered the door uh, still in my underwear. <laughs> I just imagine that that's crazy. I mean, if I was a Jehovah's Witness and I was welcomed <laughs> It's so was that so a man I don't even want to know the details of that. Yeah, I, I know who that is. is. So you can ask um, him. All right. So is. here's a question from the Think Institute. Um, question, Matt. What do you think of using John 1.3 to show Jehovah's Witness that there are only two kinds of reality, created and uncreated, and ask them which category Jesus falls into? They would say Jesus is a created being. We didn't talk about this, but this is important. Okay. Jesus to them is a created being. And they'll go to First John or Colossians 1, uh, 16, 1, 15. He's uh, the firstborn of all creation. And it's been a while since I've done this. So I forgot the references. But uh, there's a place in the Bible, and I have it on CARM, where firstborn is, um, is uh, let's do it this way. Let's see if I have it here in this little section here firstborn. Yes, here it is. Jeremiah 31, 9, for I am a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn. Um, and yet Manasseh is called the firstborn in, uh, in Genesis 41, 51, 52. So firstborn is a, an issue of title. Uh, okay. So with those, it was just transferable. So they're going to often go to Colossians 1, 15. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So they're going to say firstborn means first created. Okay. And so what you can do, there's two approaches. There's m many approaches, but the ones that I would consider, one is to teach them prototos, prototiktas, first born, first created. But is it going to really work with them? I don't know. I, if I think it might at that time, I'll take a chance and give it a shot. But what I'll do is I'll say, that's an interesting thing. If, and this is a, a, it's a, it's a slick and quick thing to do. Okay, you say, you, so I know that you guys teach that Jesus is Michael the Archangel, right? And they'll say, yes, that's, that's who he is. Yeah, Michael the Archangel, and he became a man. I says, okay. Well, I got I got a question, because, because an angel is not a man, right? Uh, that's correct. An angel and a man, by side, they're not the same thing. They're both created, but they're not the same thing. A man goes to sleep. Angels don't go to sleep. Men have to go to the bathroom. Angels don't have to go to the bathroom. So the... So, we have the actuality of an angel who stops being an angel and then becomes something else that he is not by his nature. How then is he the same thing? Hmm. That's the, they can get that. They go, because if he's an angel, an angel's not a man, it becomes a man. 
then how is he by nature still the same one if his nature was angel, but now his nature's man, they're completely different. How is he the mm. same one? Sure. And now if they get that, and you can say, and I know that you teach that, uh, that Jesus became Michael the archangel again. Okay. So that means Jesus doesn't exist anymore. Right. That's right. So, so what, so are they the same person? How's that work? Can you explain that? Now, it's a bit of confusion, but they'll go, you, you know, they'll be driving home going, oh my God, that's, you know, and so that's one of the things called the continuity issue. And I use it against annihilationists. But mm -hmm. notice how I'm saying this stuff. I'm not saying, look, there's a continuity issue. You have to understand that the attributes are associated with the ontos, so the nature and the essence of something. And so the properties emanate out of the ontos. So if the ontos changes, the properties and, and uh, characteristics are also altered. They don't reflect a proper ontos. We know the ontos by the characteristics of the emanation of those properties. So you cannot have a continuity be maintained, but the nature of one ceases that another object takes its place. It's not the same object, so therefore they're not the same person. Do you see that? Right. Okay, now I might take you and I could talk like that, uh, you know, Eli, because there's going to be, they're going to be like, that's right. <laughs> <clears throat> that's right. So notice what I'm doing when I talk to them. Notice how I'm, my tone changes, body language mm -hmm. will change, mm -hmm. speed will change, level will change, and everything. That's what you got to do. All right. All right. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, there's a question by Davins, uh, Davinsky Makalensky. Davinsky Makalensky, I think I got it. Door-to-door uh, -door Jehovah's Witnesses seem very difficult to get two words in when they come to my door and only seek to put their info in. How do you break down their script Easy. when they try and just speak over you? Do this. If you notice a Jehovah's Witnesses like that, then you're in for the long haul, okay? Mm. You say, well, that information, you just let them talk, okay? Because sometimes you, in order to earn the right to speak, you have to listen. Don't interrupt them. Let them speak, nod, and they show you something. Say, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, yes, I'm interested. Now, what, what think, now think, you're a Jehovah's Witness. You go to the door, and uh, they're used to people going, no, that's not true. Slam. Oh, you're a cult thing. Now they got this guy who says, who's just listening. Okay. That's interesting. And you have this literature? Okay. Uh, yeah, yes, I'd be glad to take it. Yeah, sure. I'll be too. I take it. Oh, you will? Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll go through it. I'll look. Is there anything in here in particular you want me to look at? Yes. Well, I'll do that. Okay. And maybe you can come back. Hmm. And you take that literature and you study it. You underline and you go through, do some research. They come back next week. Yeah. And go. that's what you do. And you don't have to give them all the right perfect answers right away. Sometimes you just got to wait. Be patient. And then you can pray and study and go to karm.org and learn and other so websites. <laughs> Which I highly recommend. I mean, the section on Jehovah's other, Witnesses oh, is huge. Yeah, excellent, excellent. All right, I have a question here by Dylan Biggs uh, for Revealed Apologetic. Question for both of us. Uh, do you guys think we use arguments based upon the divine theophanies and Christophanies? I'm referring to appearances of the angel of the Lord. So do you guys think we maybe we should use? Yes. Yeah, I think I would agree. Yeah, I, I did that earlier with Exodus 6, 2 and 3 uh, and uh, John 6, 46. Mm 
Because right. in Exodus 6, 2 and 3, God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am Jehovah, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. First Corinthians, or, or John, John uh, 6, 46, Jesus says, not that any man has, has seen the Father, except the one, talking about himself, has seen the Father. So I ask him, who are they seeing who's not God the Father, but is God Almighty? Hmm. And it's that's it. See how quick that was? You can do that in one minute. You can have, you know, we went over it earlier. That's, you know, it's one of the good things to do. Yeah, you can get a lot of mileage out of the uh, theophanies and Christophanies in the Old Testament because they're subtle. They're, they're like parts of the Bible. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember that story. I never mm -hmm. really thought about it that way. Try. Um, all right. Let's let me, let me try one more thing. Just before I forget yeah. this. Okay. John 15, 13. In fact, I've never done this in their Bible, but here's a, uh, it's a slick and quick thing that you, sometimes you can get to them and I've used this before, but I'm going to go to John because I have the stuff open, John 15, 13, okay. and I'm going to read what it says, John 15, 13. This is another little something you just put. Okay. And uh, this is what the verse says. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus says, no one has love greater than this, that someone should surrender his soul on behalf of his friends. That means to lay down your life, to die for him, right? And I'll go, yeah. So the greatest act of love, the greatest act of love, right, is to die for a friend, surrender your soul for someone else, right? And the J double say, well, yeah. Okay. And Jesus did that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I got a question. Can your God perform the greatest act of love? The answer is no. A creature outdid your God. Mm. I'll say that when it's getting a little bit testy. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But in the Trinity, God himself is one of us, and he performed the greatest act of love, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest humility to save yeah. us. As are, you know, I do this a lot of times like this when they're leaving, and I can tell they're, they don't want to talk anymore. They, they know, they've, they've clued in on I know stuff. And mm -hmm. so I'll say, so your God is outdone by a creature. My God is not. Which is greater, which is better? Yeah, as they're walking away. You that's a great. That's around. a great like appeal, like an existential <clears throat> appeal. Even if it doesn't prove anything, I think it's very powerful to be like, why should I give up a God who has demonstrated mm -hmm. via the greatest act of love anyone could do for a God who can't do that? You know, right. that, that's with, a, that's with, yeah. Also with salvation, because you when you yeah, ask yeah. a J Dub how you do you say if you had that long conversation with them, you say, well, sure, sure. Romans four one through five, I believe what it says here, so I don't have to do any good works. I just I, I mm -hmm. show my work, but that's not what saves me, right? Because it's faith alone. Romans four five, right? Four five, that's right. Yeah. But to the one who does not work. Um, all right. Well, so, you it to us. You know it. It's, it's yeah, people but, know. Well, it's because the way you say it. I mean, you used mm -hmm. to you did a Bible study at my house one time a long time ago. I did uh, where I had, yeah, I had you on the screen Oh, on screen and, and the people and the people, okay. it was funny. It looked, it looked like the most idolatrous thing ever because oh, yeah. in order for someone That's to, right. in order for someone to ask a question, they had to come in front of the screen and then kneel down. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like watching this. I'm like, it's a little off, but, um, but I, re I remember yeah. bowing down before Reverend slick, just it's bad all the way around. But what I remember from that is that every sentence you uttered was the period of your sentence was a scripture. And so that helped me memorize scriptures just to hear you memorize Got scripture. Um, so it was super helpful. But at any rate, um, so specialist FXHD, got to love those YouTube names. Uh, a question is, is there evidence of Charles Taze Russell and the translators admitting 
that they don't know Koine Greek. Yes. I don't know where it is, but yes. Okay. All you right. can get you can get some books. I mean, I've written what I've written, and there's always more to write. But uh, yeah, the evidence does exist. There's trials. There's stuff. They've shown this mm. and that. Well, they didn't know. Yep. I would <clears throat> probably point that person to uh, the classic um, Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. I think there's an entire section where they go through yeah. the transcript of the court case in which he's being cross-examined and admits that he doesn't know Koine Greek. And um, since you brought up Walter Martin, I just have to shamelessly brag that I met him several times and went to his Bible study for uh, for a couple of years and worked did volunteer work at CRI Christian Research Institute and would meet him there too. So I, not bragging too much, but it's definitely a brag. Well, I I have a brag. Okay, oh, he okay. I was I was way too young, but he would he died eighty nine, right? Was, yeah, yeah, and then I did security at his funeral too. But yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, my brag is not gonna be that cool, but I actually had his daughter on my show to talk about, um, uh, you know, his impact as an apologist. And, um, she sent me some audio that has never been put out and she wanted, uh, want, I, I have to do something with it. I have to like, I, I have to give it to someone who could actually, yeah. Okay. Well, there it's like a box of tapes and stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah, so um, she sent. If that you to send me. it to me, my wife has a way of contacting someone who can take them and put them all on MP3. Yep, she said as long as it's done and given out for free, then go for yeah. it. So she sent me a bunch of stuff. All right, if cool. you want, yep. you you could do that or give the files to me, or I'd, I'd be glad to do that and say here, put a section up of Walter Martin and say here's the free videos and and stuff. We do. Yeah, that. I, yeah they're no they're, they're tapes. They're like cassette tapes. I don't know if yep. you know. If you, I, okay, I'll I'll look into that then. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. All right. Um, never met him though. I would love, I would have loved to have met him, but at any rate, I'm going to tell you um, this quick story. I, sorry, I got to do this. Sure, sure, we sure, were sure. Doing some volunteer work at CRI and we're going to raise funds. And he came in late one night and we're all there and we're praying. We're going to pray. And um, Dan Schlesinger was leading the team said, Hey, Dr. Martin, would you mind praying for us? And so he put his hand on my shoulder here and his hand on another shoulder, someone else and started praying. And I remember this very clearly. I'm not joking. This is something I, I remember I stopped praying. I started listening. I've never heard anybody pray like that. Mm. I've never heard anybody pray like that. Uh, it, it just like, oh my goodness, he's in the presence of God. And it was different. I'm serious. Mm. And then when I was doing security at his funeral, incidentally, the pastor who married my wife, my, my wife married my mom and dad was Walter Martin's pastor. It's oh, wow. a kind of interesting connection. So I'm, I'm walking up and down the aisles, uh, because they wanted uh, people there who could recognize cults. So I, a few others and me, I, I was one of them. And I was in the aisle and the door opened up and I heard Mrs. Martin say, and then the door closed. She said, and so I got up in the middle of the night and I, I went to find him. This is when he had died, how she found him dead. And I went to find him and he, he, was, he was, I think it was, she said in the bathroom, he was kneeling down. And I said, oh, Walter, stop playing. Come back to bed. Stop praying. Come back to bed. And the door closed. Mm. And it stunned me because her comment, oh, would you stop that again? He was a man of prayer. Mm. And I just never forgot that. I never forgot it. Yeah. He was a great, great apologist, man. I still listen to his to his stuff. There's an act. Actually, if, if you folks can listen, uh, watch it on YouTube, um, the, he has a talk. Um, where he's in dialogue with another Christian. There are two Christians and they're role-playing 
at the doorstep with a Jehovah's Witness. It's excellent. And with a Mormon, it's like it's like an hour and a half long. And it it is awesome to see how Walter Martin would actually have an actual conversation with a Jehovah's Witness. You can look that up. Um, I think it's called On the Doorstep with Jehovah's Witness and On the Doorstep with um, with a Mormon. You guys should check that out. Yeah, he was great. all right. I love stories. I, I could listen to stuff like that all, all day long. I, I find that so fascinating. Um, I, um, I stand out. Now you make me think I, when I was, uh, when I was at CRI, um, well, I guess it's called the Bible answer man headquarters or something. When I met with Hank Hanegraaff, he was telling me some cool stories of Walter Martin as well. I think he's, his life was so fascinating. Just if I can give a shameless plug, his daughter actually wrote a book called the Bible answer man. Um, and it, it, gives you all of these cool kind of background stories from the perspective of his daughter and, and the history of CRI. You guys might want to check that out. Um, definitely made me want to dig deeper into cult apologetics after reading his life. I mean, it's, it's super, yeah. super inspirational. All right, let's, let's move. Uh, let's move quickly. Walter then. Martin uh, also with his uh, sidekick, but not in a derogatory sense, sidekick, the guy, I forgot his name. They actually had one of the best documented UFO photographs ever taken it was put on a magazine cover yeah that's super cool um all right so uh one person whose name is smo petras cephas um i like the following technique but what would your plan of attack be with a jehovah's witness that sends letters in the mail instead of door to door i've received eight letters in the past 1.5 years well, eight's a number of new beginnings in the Bible, another topic. So new beginning for you, I'm reading too much into this. You need to write them back and say, yeah, I'm interested in having a dialogue. Okay. All right. Next question. How, how would the Jehovah's Witness get around the verse where Jesus says he is the first and the last in the book of Revelation, not Revelations. Okay. All right. Just as a little heads up there. Well, let's go there and I'll show you what they do. I can remember okay. it or find it. Uh They'll do this. Let's see. Revelation 1. And they play a little bit of a word game. All right. Okay. And so a revelation by Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his slaves. So God gave it to him. That's Revelation 1. 1. So that's why Alpha the Omega, because it's really God talking uh, uh, through through Jesus. Because God gave it to him. So it's he's a true one. Now, you have to go through in the text and read and go, no, let's argue about it a little bit. But I, you'll find that what I like to do is avoid things that bring up any argumentation. Because mm-hmm. they'll shut off. And I don't want to do that. This is one of the ones I, I've stayed away from a little bit because of that. Not to say that it isn't worth trying and worth going at the right time. Sure. 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 Okay. Okay. Sure. Mr. C, uh, it's not a question, but it's a statement that I think um, it would be worth speaking to. Uh, no matter how logical or sensical your apologetics is, this person's not a believer. Um, he comes on the show every now and then and uh, posts some some good questions. Um, I appreciate Mr. C. He says, no matter how logical or sensical your apologetics is when confronting another religion, you're going to find yourself up against the power and influence of friends and family. Now, while that's true, Matt, what other power uh, and influence um, – is the kingdom of darkness going up against when a Christian filled with the spirit of God confronts a Jehovah's witness? Why don't you go into a little bit of that? Because it's very important that we don't forget. We don't forget. (laughs) Why don't you you unpack what the spirit spirit does and why, why, because the spirit does what he does, we should never be intimidated or think our time is being wasted 
uh, when we're, we're talking with certain people. Yeah, we, oh, that's important. Romans, uh, I mean, Isaiah 55, 11, the word of God will not come back empty without accomplishing what he desires. That's a very critical verse. A lot of people don't believe that. Always quote the scriptures. It's one of the reasons I quote scripture. Quote scripture, quote scripture. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. Also, you want to go to Romans 1, 16. Uh, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who would believe for the Jew first, the Gentile second. So you always want to do that. But you got to remember this. God is the one who opens the mind of people to understand the scripture, Luke 24, 45. God grants that people believe, Philippians 1, 29. He grants them repentance, 2 Timothy 2, 25. He causes people to be born again, 1 Peter 1, 3, and they're born again, not of their own will, John 1, 13. Now, we have to understand these biblical truths. So our job is to do the best to give an answer for the reason of the faith that lies within us, 1 Peter 3.15. We're to give a defense and we're to, to ask, to answer, as you quoted in Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, you know, ask him according to the, the, his foolishness and not according to his foolishness. We're giving answers. And if perchance God may grant them repentance because it says in second Timothy 2 24 and 25 the lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome but be kind to all uh gentle with something when reproached uh answering with, with salt and seasoned if perchance god may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth so what we want to do <clears throat> is understand that we're in sales not production hmm. god produces this the souls that are saved we produce or we, we um, are in the sales. Hey, this is what we want you to believe. So our job is to present the word of truth to the best of our ability and be prayerful in it, patient and kind. And also go to Colossians 4, 5 and 6. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech season be seasoned with salt so you know how you, you respond to everyone. Season with mm -hmm. salt and grace. So the thing is, this is how we're, we're to be and and ask. And when they when the door closes, ask, Lord, would you please save that person? Would you please open that person's heart, that mind? Because you're working against brainwashing, demonic forces. You go to uh, Ephesians 6, 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. Right. So you pray for that. Now, I got I to gotta warn you guys. I warn everybody about something. It's not something that's talked about. And I'm sorry. I need to talk about this. If you ask to be used of God, you want to be used of God, you want to say, Lord, bring Jehovah's Witnesses, bring Mormons to my door, uh, teach me, I want to study this stuff. You better be ready to count the cost. I think it's Luke 11, 43. No, it's not there. It's someplace else. I forgot. So many verses. Luke 14, 28, I think it is. Someone can correct me. Jesus says, count the cost. All right, you want to count the cost of what you're getting into. You better understand that if you want to do this kind of work in ministry, that there's a cost that comes in. That you are, are knocking on demonic doors when you go after people, you go after cults, when you prepare. And it's worth doing. It's worth being persecuted. It's all worth that. But the thing is, uh, if I'm going to find that where it says count the cost. Uh, and so, because I was, otherwise I won't be able to sleep at night. So it's in, uh, yeah, that's right. It's Luke, I was right, right Luke 14, okay, 28. I was going to look it up. Okay, so you got to be slick. And so you have to be ready to be involved. And when you study this stuff, the demonic forces are aware. Maybe you'll get a flat tire tomorrow. Maybe you might get sick the next day. Maybe nothing will happen. But let me tell you, I've had death threats. I've been attacked by, I got, 
stories. I got one story you guys just wouldn't believe, but it's all true. <laughs> but um, death threats, I've been swatted. We're outside, hands up, walking backwards in the dark, guns pointed at me from the cops, you know, uh, swatted, uh, not arrested, but handcuffed. Mm -hmm. and I think I've uh, been followed in my car, been threatened with death. My family's been threatened with death. We had the FBI involved. You know, this is the kind of stuff that happens. And uh, you've got to be ready for it. Now, now, I've really had some excessive stuff happen because I'm really excessively into this. But this is the kind of thing you've got to just be aware of. Sure. Uh, that's all. And in the increase of ungodliness in our world, the doors for that are opening even more. So just be, just be aware. That's all. Mm. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. OK, Dylan here. He says, I like how Matt keeps forgetting he's done stuff with Eli. <laughs> Who's Eli? Hey, who is that guy? It's like, uh, yeah, I, I, you know what it is? I actually, I actually wanted to put that up there because I wanted to just to emphasize matt you do so much that it is almost impossible to keep track of, of everything matt just had a debate with Last muslim night. muslim apologist muslim scholar shabir ali um which i believe you can find on the stand for truth um youtube channel um and i thought he did an excellent job um so you guys want to check that out but he has done multiple debates just in the past week he every every time i call him and you know how's it going he's just like it's going um, look, he just looks older. Look at him. Just go look at, look at, look at, look at the, if you remember Matt Slick, if you look at when he was younger and he looked really cool with a beard and then just compare, compare what he looks like now. I mean, look at him. Just look at him. That's <laughs> that's, right. that's, I'll be 65 in a couple of months. I'm up right. there. <clears throat> yeah. He's, if you look at his high school, his high school yearbook, he's got, you know, a selfie with Moses. He's just like, yeah, that's you know, right. He's super that's old. The, so. the yearbook is in, um, in wired, uh, stone tablets that's right that's right <laughs> well matt i appreciate this we we already we just went over two hours and i don't want to keep you more okay. uh because because we're we're buddies i i don't i don't mind taking advantage of you a little bit two hours is long for anyone but <laughs> but well, i'll um, tell you what someone's at i wouldn't mind telling the story if you guys if you want to have five extra minutes i'll tell sure, you yeah. Okay, okay. Yep. Let, let's tell the story and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. And then, um, All right. uh, just while, before you tell the stories, guys, if you have found this content helpful, um, why don't you share this video with someone, or I'm going to try to make, um, some shorter snippets, uh, from things that Matt has said, um, so that you could have kind of shorter videos to share with individuals. Um, you know, people you might know on your, your social media, uh, but if you found this helpful, you know, click the like button and helps with the algorithms and all that fancy YouTube stuff. Um, and, um, thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate everyone's uh, support. So, uh, let's hear this story and, uh, and then we'll okay. wrap things up, Matt, go for it. Incidentally, speaking of busy, I got to teach Bible study tomorrow night. I may go out to Pocatello to witness at the Mormons. I may go down on the 23rd to Salt Lake for a tour with Bill McKeever. I got another debate next week and I got something else good. So yeah, it's busy and I'm doing research on COVID. <clears throat> All right. So this is a true story. Okay. Now, uh, not to get too emotional, but this is part of everything. I, I, uh, I, my wife and I lost a son. Uh, at right after birth, and uh, that was very traumatizing, and we went through that like 27 years ago. All right, now that, that left a mark on me, and so I have a sympathy for anybody who has um, lost a child, and and I can talk about that some other time in that level. Okay, now the reason I'm bringing this up is because 
uh, Diane, who used to work with us at CARM, she made friends uh, with uh, a lesbian Satanist. Oh. And, and Diane since passed away, but the, the lesbian Satanist had a daughter who was murdered and died in her arms in her front yard. Oh. And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, I, I want to talk to her. And so because I've lost a son, I, this opened the door. And so I talked with this girl for two hours. I should really correct that and say she talked at me against God and everything mm. for about two hours, cussing, swearing, this, that. And, and I just listened. And, you know, I understand. I, it, that's, yeah, uh, trust me, I understand. It, it's hell. And uh, so this went on for two hours. This is part of the story, okay? Two hours. And then uh, she, she, you know, got out of her system. Not that that makes it better. It doesn't. But, you know, she, she thanked me. She goes, I know who you are. I know what you do. I don't agree with you. But she said, she said but thank you for listening and not preaching at me. And I said, look, uh, I'm here to, you know, I care. I mean, if I was there with you, I would sit with you and, and weep with you. It's just hell. And this made a, an impression on her. Okay, that's part of the story. All right. Now, another part of the story, because these things come together, okay? Another part of the story is I started getting these emails from someone who said that they were going to kill me and my wife and that they were Satanists in the area of Southern California, knew where I was, were going to kill me. And You're right. And, yeah, I just heard a noise. Oh, I know what it is. Okay. Okay. It's just, it sounded like something else. Okay. It's the, the curtain with the wind. And uh, so it's going to kill me. We got the police involved. The FBI got involved. And this person would send, we found out it was a woman in Australia. We didn't know that at the time. And she was sending to us uh, MapQuest addresses to my house. And where I was living, but for some reason it was off. And I never told her it was off, but they, she sent pictures with her Satanist group saying, you know, we know who this, we know who you are, we know this, we know that, we've got connections in Southern California, we're gonna have them come after you. So the police went and talked to her in uh, Australia and knocked on her door. She got pissed off about that and said, okay, that's it. I'm gonna contact the people who are gonna come after you now. Now that she sent me, or they, whoever, sent me pictures of people who um, were sacrificed. I mean, wow. I can still see them in my head. They were sacrificed and their blood, their guts. And, and uh, then they sent a letter to me, uh, an email that and it was routed some weird way. And it was so bad that if the person had been in the room and said it to me, I would have attacked them. Right or wrong, I would have. And um, my wife wanted to read it, and I, I just would not let her read it. Nope, this is not happening. I was protection against her. This is how evil this was. Now, that's another part of the story, right? All right. So this Satanist, the second Satanist, was really coming after me. The first Satanist I talked to heard about it and decided to get on that first one, the other one, and tell her to leave me alone. Now, there's more to this. 
now I've got one Satanist fighting against another Satanist to protect me, a Christian who's against Satanism. Hmm. So you go, well, that's, that's, I can see that. It's unusual. Oh, it gets better. And so, okay, now put that aside. So there was a debate se session I had with, with uh, uh, some atheists years ago on the forums. And I told, well, I'll, I'll skip details. I, I set them up for a fall and they fell. And uh, I have what happened and everything, and, and they didn't like it. And I outsmarted them is what happened. Sure. And um, so what they did was they started AARM, Ap Atheist Apologetics Research Ministry. And their goal was to bring down CARM, to shut the server down, destroy the websites. Now, guess who they wanted on their secret board for their secret meetings to be able to work against me? They wanted the Satanist girl on mm. that I spent two hours talking with, and she agreed. So she was on this board with them, and then what happened was she would feed me information that they would say they were going to do. I would then give it to the service provider, and they would harden the, the problems. They'd take care of stuff, and their frustration grew. I, there's a lot more details. So I won't get into it, but their frustration sure. grew. She said, I don't like what you do, Matt, but you have the right to do what you want. And you spent time with me and blah, blah, blah. And don't tell them anything, you know. So I had an informant inside of their group. Oh, do it this way. I had an informant inside of their group who's feeding me information. This went on for a year or two. And they could not figure this out. It frustrated the heck out of them. All right. So this organization was started by a particular individual. And I uh, won't give you his name. Sure. My brother, I have two brothers. One was in Missouri at the time, the other one in Southern California. And I'm here in uh, Idaho, I think, by that time. It happened so many years ago. And he said, hey, Matt, have you ever heard of so-and-so? Wow. That's on your end, right there, Eli? I think my son is screaming now. Okay. He's, like, crying, yeah. Okay, if you could mute, because it's – I won't be able I, to – if you speak yeah. yourself, just for a little bit, I'll fill this. Fill yeah, this I'll, I'll meet myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For those who don't know, I'm autistic. I have Asperger's. And I can't handle too many high pitched sounds for very long. All right. Uh, and so, and just a, just being a child, that's okay. Just it's just me. So what happened was, my brother calls up and he says, "Do you know so and so?" And I said, "Yes, that guy causes problems. He said this. He's done that. Almost had a lawsuit. I mean, I'm skipping details. Oh, blah blah blah. And he's trying to destroy karma. And, and, and I go on for a couple of minutes. I said, "Why?" And he said, "He works for me. This this is for real. This guy who started this anti-karma ministry worked for my brother." And so I said, "Are you kidding me? What are the odds of that?" That now the guy who's trying to destroy Karm has a Satanist inside his organization feeding me information, and the same guy works for my brother. What are the odds? This is for real. And so my dad was staying with, with that brother, and my dad was getting sick, and he's passed away since. And so I had to go out and see him, you know, before he passed away. My other brother and I, we went out there. And uh, so my brother, my middle brother, you know, who's out in Missouri, uh, I said, I'm going to go see this guy at your work. So I got to meet him <laughs> and I walk into his office and he saw me, <laughs> he saw me. 
he saw my, he saw me because he knows my face, right? And I walk over. I'm I'm not big, but I'm six feet tall, couple hundred pounds, you know, and uh, that's small. And my brother, he makes me look like a midget. Okay, I'm the smallest one of the family, and I'm six feet tall, two hundred and twenty pounds. And uh, so, so I I just I walked over to his desk, <laughs> and he's he's staring at me like this. Okay, because I walk over, I'm not small, you know, and and I I just I, you know I go, I put my fists on the desk and I lean forward, like got my jaw out there, like please, it was body language. Take a swing at me. That's what I want you to do. I want because that was obvious. But I said I just lean forward, you know, and I go, isn't it interesting how the Lord provides things and you know how He works? Oh, and I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad I'm here to be able to talk to you. And I'm leaning forward as he's backing up in his chair because he knows I want him to take us because I'll be all over him like a monkey in a cupcake, right? And rip him apart. And uh, I would. I mean, I, you know, I'm sorry, but I would. He, you don't know, you don't even know what kind of problems he caused and and kind of stuff. Libel, slander. It was bad. That's anyway, that's very that's very odd. That's chance, you're right. The chances of that yeah. was. <laughs> it only it's happened to you. Happened. It wouldn't happen to me. <laughs> but it happened. It's all true. And uh, I skipped some details to shorten it up because there's more stuff. But you get no, the message. No worries. No worries. <clears throat> well, right. well, thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, thank you for uh, all the Jehovah's Witness stuff and just uh, giving us tools to, to use. I hope folks have found this really helpful. Um, and um, I'm going to be snipping parts of this interview and making multiple videos so that folks could find... Um, the specific uh, information that is useful uh, to them. I'm sure everyone won't use every single thing that was said here tonight. So uh, thank you so much, Matt, for your time. I appreciate it. Sure. I appreciate your friendship and uh, just your guidance. When I have a problem and I give you a call, you're always very helpful. And I do appreciate, appreciate that very much. Hey, and I get to ask help from you too. So praise God. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much. If you guys enjoyed this video, click the like button and subscribe if you haven't. And go over and check karm.org if you have not already. I mean, I don't know anyone who does apologetics and has never heard of Karm. So uh, if you haven't, definitely check it out. Check it out. All right. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. God bless. Thank you very much for listening to Revealed Apologetics. If you have any questions that you would like me to answer um, on one of our podcast episodes, please feel free to send in your question uh, at revealedapologetics at gmail.com.